Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back to Buckeye Talk. Doug Maurice, Bill Landis, Tim Bielek, your Ohio State coverage team. We're recording this a little early because by the time you listen to it, I'm going to be in theme parks in Orlando and happier than I ever am. And I know I sound <laughs> incredibly happy every week on Buckeye Talk. But if... It's all like, a facade. <laughs> fake it till you make it, baby. So I'm going to be waving wands and high-fiving mice and uh, having a good time. So we're recording this early. Um, we're your Cleveland.com coverage team. And we want to bring you Buckeye Talk every week. And we are doing it on Memorial Day. And I just wanted to ask real quick... Uh, have you guys seen Band of Brothers? Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I watched. I didn't watch the Pacific, but I watched Band of Brothers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. okay. And Tim, you are have not seen it yet, but you're possibly interested. I do have some interest in it. I'm a person who loves historical stuff, so it seems like something. Maybe if I get a week free, maybe vacation time, I might check it out. Worth your time. Absolutely. It's yeah. just playing on uh, yeah. HBO. On Memorial Day today. Oh, really? And uh, the guy, like the main guy who's the guy from Homeland and the guy from Billions, the guy that he plays is a, that real person is from the, the town next to the town I grew up in. Oh, really? That guy's from Hershey, Pennsylvania. Richard Winters. I didn't know that. The real person. And when Band of Brothers came out, um, he was still alive when it originally came out, and it was like because he he's in it, isn't he? Like, don't they do like interviews with the real people at the yes. end? Yeah, yeah, and he's like, yeah, he's like the main character. He's yeah. like, it was like unbelievable, like real dude to talk to. So then he passed away, and now there's like a little bridge when I go back to see my my mom. There's like you go over the memorial bridge for him. So it's That's like really cool. Whenever Band of Brothers is on, I was like crying about Band of Brothers, just like he's, it's uh yeah, it's it's real. Which is like it's kind of like heart wrenching at times, but like yeah. it's it's like it gives you you know an idea of what those guys really did. Unbelievable! It's yeah, it is I, unbelievable. Could could never fathom. Unbelievable! Like that. Yeah, that there are people in this world who can do those things and did those things for the rest of us, so we can do a stupid podcast. Yeah, unbelievable. So um, watch it. We have a lot of things to get to. Actually, we don't. We have like. <laughs> We did a lot. Last week, we had a lot. Of, we had a big list. So here's what we have. We have actually one thing to get to, and then a bunch of your questions. Your questions from last week that we didn't get to. More questions this week. But the thing we're going to start with, we have a tremendous, tremendous JT Barrett Braxton Miller question that if if you're possibly thinking of turning this off, at least get through that question. 
Because I know probably most of the people who listen to this at some point during the two-hour podcast think of turning it off. Yeah, I have... I have a theory about that that I will wait until we're done recording to present it because I don't want to run it by you guys and then have you shut it down and have the podcast be awkward like it already has become because I brought it up anyway. Oh, so we're going to talk about it at the end of the podcast or when the no, podcast is over? Maybe when it's over. It's like a, it's a it's a logistics thing that I oh actually I don't know because I think we we should get feedback from people. Okay. I'm just going to ask it. What if we did? Two podcasts a week, and one podcast was just us talking about the things we normally talk about, and the other podcast was just answering questions, so that that every week we do a podcast, we're not always like, hey, we're going to get to your questions next week. I feel like we always miss questions, yeah. and it's like, I understand why we do it, because we have what I think is interesting discussing discussion about things, and we don't want to put out a three-hour-long podcast. I mean, we do, but we but won't. But people won't <laughs> listen to it, yeah. But if we did, yeah, if we did essentially like a normal podcast and then like a mailbag podcast every week, because the question, we're only going to get start getting more questions once the season ramps up, and I hate that we miss a lot of them. Right. Like, we ask you for questions, and you have to wait three weeks for us to answer them. Right. And I feel bad about that. So I wanted to float the idea to you guys and also to listeners of the idea of having basically still like two, two and a half pushing three hours of content every week, but have that broken up into two podcasts. doesn't necessarily create more work for us. It's just we have to edit one more podcast, but we're yeah. talking the same amount. And I think it would be, one, an easier listening experience, and two, allow us to answer all the questions that we're terrible at answering. Right. And I do think, I mean, our editing is is so minor. Yeah. The, again. But also, so here's, here's the thing. I mean, I'm, I'm going to tell you that this is a little tease and we've been teasing it for like almost four years now. There's there's just some moving things are moving a little bit on the possible sponsorship front. Yeah. They're moving. And so it's possible that if we get sponsors, then there's gonna become there's gonna be a little more structure to this when it's money making time. We will never lose the freewheeling nature of Buckeye Talk that makes it Buckeye Talk. We don't the unprofessionalism is what you've come yes, yes. to know and love. So we don't want to start making money and like start wearing tuxedos for the show, right? <laughs> I would do that. But we'll have a tuxedo episode. Yeah. Does, do tuxedo t shirts count? They do count. Yeah, of course they do. I mean we'll definitely have a tuxedo up now. Right, write it down. Tuxedo episode this summer when we don't know what to do. I'll rent a tuxedo. I'll rent a real tuxedo. Um <laughs> tuxedo so i do think so if we did two podcasts a week it would basically be we still come to our base my basement once yeah and it's just that we break it up we just do because it's mostly broken up anyway we do our stuff then we do questions yeah so it's just we would turn that into two podcasts yeah and i do wonder like we are very appreciative of everyone who listens on a regular basis to a podcast that shows up in your feed and is is routinely (laughs) more than two hours long uh, I do think that it is off-putting to some people who say, like, why would I ever want to listen to a two-hour podcast? Oh, and, and I, I would be curious how many people sit down and listen to it in a two-hour chunk. Yeah. It's a movie. Know. It's yeah. like going – are you going to see the Buckeye Talk <laughs> movie this week? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. I want to know where people listen to it. Are they listening to, like, in their, in on their, the on their patio? Are they driving and listening to it? Do they just like drive in a circle in their neighborhood? Yep. Like their their loved ones are like, "What are you doing?" And it's like, "I got to listen." We got to finish Buckeye. Buckeye Talk. Um, two hours is a movie. That really makes me think about it a little more. 
So if we broke it up into two, instead of a movie every week, we gave you two one-hour episodes. Yeah, like an hour like to a 90 dramatic minutes. TV show. Yeah, yeah, like an, it's a Game of Thrones episode. Now, I do think, yeah, but I do think it would be a mistake to turn our two-hour podcast into two one-hour and 45-minute podcasts. You know what I mean? Yeah, Which no, I don't want to do that. I also think we're capable of. Yes, for sure. Yeah. I don't want that to happen. I don't. The goal, the goal is not to uh, make you listen to more. Right. It's just to make it easier to listen to the normal two hours. Right. So we still would try to – we still we wouldn't change much. I think we would even have to trick ourselves. We wouldn't try to change anything really except the editing. Yeah. It's like when they do like a season – a series finale of a show. And like I just watched – there's a half-hour sitcom that I enjoyed that just had its, had its series finale. And they did an hour, right, for the mm-hmm. series finale. But they did it as two half-hour episodes, but they ran them back to back. Okay. Mm-hmm. So it'd be it'd be that we'd be breaking up our thing, and when we just we drop one on Wednesday and one on Friday, unless people. But there are some people who couldn't wait. I think we could do it Wednesday, Thursday. I think we could do it Tuesday, Wednesday. That's true. Wednesday. Well, you have, to, our you have day. to consider you have to consider during the season too. We'll also have one after the game. So, so we'll have we'll have one up Saturday night slash Sunday morning, depending on the time of the game. That can get you to Wednesday morning when we have the weekly Buckeye talk. Right. And then, yeah, I think like, Friday morning would be good. Like, we start answering Friday morning questions. Mailbag. Yeah. And that gets people, in addition to all the other things you write, gets people geared up for the game on Saturday. Yeah. All right. We'll have to ask the re- listeners. Tell us. Tweet Buckeye Talk at Buckeye Talk Pod. Tweet it yeah. to us what you think. Also, you can follow us on Twitter at Buckeye Talk Pod, at Bill Landis 25, at Tim Bielik, at Doug Maurice. I also think I'm, going, too. I think I'm going to make an email account for Buckeye Talk. Oh. Um, people have emailed me questions, and I always lose them because I get a lot of emails. Most of yeah. them junk, but it's just hard to sort through. So it's not set up yet, but I think I'm going to try to make a Buckeye Talk Pod email address like through Gmail or something. So for people who aren't on Twitter or people who want to send things that don't fit into a Twitter and don't want to like DM us, um, I'll set that up so that you can email questions or thoughts or whatever. We can read those too. Oh, we're getting more and more professional every week. Yeah. Let's talk about hot dogs. Um, <laughs> all right. Here's what we're going to do. God, I think people, this is what we're known for. We're known for football talk, pizza and food, robots, and talking about ourselves and the structure of the podcast. We like to long... include the people. I do. But I'm fascinated. I could do a whole two-hour podcast about whether a two-hour podcast yeah. is too long or not. <laughs> that's that's a little too meta for me, I think. I love the meta stuff. Yeah. I listen to that. And then we could do another podcast about whether that two-hour podcast <laughs> about talking about two-hour podcast was too long. Yeah. Can we call that... get up our own asses really yeah. quick. Can we call that the Inception <laughs> Buckeye Talk episode? Yeah. yeah. Let me tell you, if you're dreaming about Buckeye Talk, you're in trouble. Oh. Did you guys Have you guys dreamed about... Covering Ohio State football. Uh, yeah, yeah. I had a dream. I had a dream the other day uh, that like Urban Meyer got fired, and uh, what was it? Urban Meyer got fired. Or no, maybe he didn't get fired. Like he was no longer the coach of Ohio State, and then like the news broke that the, whoever the new coach was got hired, and you guys weren't around, and like it was all on me, and like I slept through all of it. <laughs> <laughs> And yeah. it was like Ohio State got a new football coach and Cleveland.com didn't have a story about it for 10 hours. Nice. And then I woke up like in a sweat. Like, oh my God, I screwed up. And I was like, oh wait, that, that, that wasn't real. Nice. I had a dream where like I was, we are walking out of the stadium of a game and like, you know, I'm trying to dig around my backpack for a credential and I'm like pulling out a hundred things and it's not there and it's not there. And then all of a sudden I just wake up like, wait, what just happened? Nice. I like, this is getting into fears. I like that you guys, yeah. I like the, the fact that 
there's an element of fear in your job. That, to me, tells me that you care. Yeah. I like to be prepared. Yeah. I had a dream many years ago that Tom Herman was yelling at me. And I think I told Tom Herman that. I think he was like, good. Uh, Ohio State's schedule. 11 minutes in, we're getting to the first thing. Ohio State's schedule. I wrote a thing like two weeks ago now. Also, by the way, we're recording this on Memorial Day. Seven years ago, Jim Tressel lost his job on Memorial Day. Talk about cold sweats. That was a cold sweat <laughs> mm-hmm. day. Um, I want Ohio State to play Alabama. They have never played Alabama uh, in the regular season, save for a kickoff classic in the 90s that they played in New Jersey. And they've met three times in the postseason. It was 1986. 1986. Um, I would like them to play on each other's campus. I wrote a big thing about that. Uh, Ohio State. So we're going to figure out who who else we would like to see Ohio State play. We have some of your answers on that, and we're going to give you our answers, and we're going to talk about like why are why why or why not are those things possible or impossible? Just to lay it down, the non-conference big games. We're talking about the big games in 2018 this year. As we know, it's TCU neutral site game was originally a home and home. They switched it to a neutral site, and the neutral site is like 10 minutes from TCU's campus. Yep. They're playing at Jerry World. TCU's in Fort Worth. They're playing in Arlington. 2019, they don't have one. Like, this is going to be a big thing in 2019. Their, their games, their non-conference games are Florida Atlantic, Cincinnati, and Miami. And, like, that's not good enough with the prices they're asking you guys to pay. And I'm yep. very curious how, like, how much they're going to charge you for the Cincinnati game, which is the best of it. And will be interesting because it's Luke Fickle, but they need to have a better game than that. And I understand like what happened in there and stuff, but like on some level, there's no excuse to me that that is happening. Yeah, uh, it's not good enough. I think I think maybe we talked about this before. I think what they're banking on is how good the Big Ten schedule is that year, so they yeah. didn't think they needed to have a big non-conference game. But you're right. I think on some level, like the fans are owed something more than Cincinnati. Yeah, twenty twenty. And 2021 is a home and home with Oregon. It's at Oregon in 2020, home with Oregon 2021. 22 and 23 is Notre Dame. 24 and 25 is Washington. Then they have kind of a thing where they have Texas in 25 and 26, which means at the moment in 2025, they're playing Texas and Washington. We kind of don't believe that that actually is going to happen. And then in 26, 27, they have the in twenty six. They have the second game of Texas and the first game of a Boston College series. So Boston College is twenty six twenty seven. So at the moment in twenty twenty five, they have two kind of big non conference games at Texas, home Washington, and twenty twenty six. They have two big ones, home Texas, home Boston College. And again, I'm I'm a little skeptical if that's actually going to happen. But Boston College is actually more like Oregon State. Yeah, and both those games are home, so I think that might make them more inclined to keep it. I think. What will happen? There's no benefit to Ohio State playing in Seattle. Well, we can talk about that. Okay, I think I think there's much more of a benefit to playing in Austin than there's a playing in Seattle. So if we want, don't want to talk about that now, we can talk about it later. But I think that Washington's going to get changed. Do you think they might turn that into a neutral site? Yeah, they they'll where play. I have no idea. But like Washington's playing Auburn in Atlanta this year. I think yeah. Washington is up for that kind of thing. It's just a matter of picking a spot that makes sense. Like, could right. they meet in Indianapolis to open the season? Would in, 
Would that could be. Indianapolis be open to something like that? Because as far as I know, they the only neutral site game I can think of they've hosted in past years was this year with uh, Purdue and Louisville. Yeah. That would be interesting. The fact that like Arlington has a game every year, Atlanta has a game every year, I think Orlando has games sometimes. At least there's one coming up that's in Orlando. Yeah. Bama has an Orlando game. Right. But the bit, the two big places are Atlanta and, and, and Texas. Why wouldn't Indianapolis create a situation where every year they host a neutral site game in Indianapolis between a Big Ten team and a big national team? Yeah. That's a great idea. They should do that. Delaney? So let's talk about who Ohio State should play. Okay? Okay. We asked the people that, and, and we, we can talk about, I think schedules are fun and interesting. The thing that's the hardest thing to me and the stupidest thing in talking about schedules is that you end up talking about something that's 10 years away. And things change and then change again and then change again within a decade. And I still don't know why they schedule a decade out. I've asked Gene Smith that, and basically the answer is we have to schedule a decade ahead because everybody schedules a decade ahead. And if you don't get something on paper, you're going to get left out in the cold. And then if you have to change it, you have to change it. Mm -hmm. But I just don't know why why can't you just be in a situation where everyone schedules two years out? And it's like, okay, so it's 2018 – they have this schedule. Maybe they have the 2019. Maybe they have Oregon set in 2020, 2020 and 2021. Yeah. They have the next one. But then there's no reason to have games set. Like they should. Have, the NCAA should pass a rule that nobody can schedule that far out yeah. or something. Mm-hmm. And so then you can sort of let things – you can base your schedule. You don't schedule any farther than three or four years out. Further. Farther? Further. 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 And that allows you for your schedule to sort of reflect the times. And again, that it's like you're trying to, you're making some game with Boston College for 2026 and 2027. You don't even know what conference Boston College is going to be in then. Yeah. You know, like you have no idea if Boston College is going to be, have a little revitalization and maybe they're going to like have a little Matt Ryan run or is like Boston College going to be worse than Eastern Michigan by then? Like you don't, yeah. Like, like what's the, the point? Even the tie, like the obvious ties, like is Steve Adagio going to be the head coach of Boston College then? And is Martin Jarman, who's currently the AD there, going to be the AD? I think Martin Jarman is more likely to be the AD at Ohio State by then right. than he is to be the AD at Boston College. Yeah, exactly. So, 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 so much changes. So I don't know why they do it. I think it's silly. And again, I, we're going to get into some names that I'm sure people are going to bring up, and they're going to be names that once were scheduled as series and were canceled. Yep. And so it's like right now it's like, oh, everyone's excited for the blank series. And it's like they're probably not going to play it. So let's – we're going to get to your questions and then we're going to get to um, what we would like to see. And this is going to be a scheduled discussion, not just about, hey, it would be fun if they played, uh, you know, blank, but sort of the theory of scheduling with Ohio State – what might change and what might not change and how they could make it better, maybe. Okay, so I'm just going to run through the list that people sent in. Uh, Aaron Buckley uh, is the first one I have, and he sort of broke his up into tiers, which I thought was interesting. So he didn't just give us five teams. He gave us a, a few more than that. He said one, Georgia, LSU, or Auburn, and he says not Alabama, but a team that you can measure up against Alabama by playing a opponent who will also play them that year. And he also says neutral field. So he wants to play a team from the SEC on a neutral field. Um, or that group of teams from the SEC on the neutral field, Georgia, LSU, Auburn. Um, he says Miami or Florida State to appeal to Florida recruits. Uh, number three on his list is Florida. Same reason, but also the obvious ties for Urban Meyer. Number four on his list is Tennessee. 
top SEC opponent, he says close proximity, two huge fan bases. Number five on his list is Notre Dame. I like that list. So um, I disagree with this assessment on Tennessee. That it's a top SEC opponent or that it is where it is on the map? <laughs> the former. <laughs> well, that's the thing. But, but like, like right now, Tennessee sucks. Yeah. And they're, they're in a downturn. But Tennessee is often good. Like, Tennessee is in the, top, in the list of top ten. When I ran through the thing, when I wrote this thing about Alabama a couple weeks ago, I ran through Ohio State's history of playing the other t- programs in the top ten in all-time victories in college football. Because that's what I think is fun. It's power versus power. And Tennessee is either 10th or 11th. Like, that's what Tennessee is. Mm-hmm. So Tennessee has been. So it's like, but by the time, the way things are now, by the time they got Tennessee on the schedule, like, Tennessee might be, I mean, yeah, Tennessee might be coming off a national championship by the time they sure. play Ohio State. Yeah. Um, I just, I wanted, so, like, the, when you throw out names like this, right, they've never played Auburn in the regular season. Yep. They've never played Georgia in the regular season. They had a home-and-home with LSU in 87 and 88 that people still talk about. They tied at LSU 13-13 and 87, and in 88 they won 36-33. And people still talk about that stuff. Yeah. Um, so that's that's the thing we're talking about. And and I think we'll get – let's run through some more input from the listeners. But there's a point – there's – a. A large chunk of this discussion is about should Ohio State and should the SEC teams, is that something that should happen? Because there is generally an an overall thing, I think, that is in play here with Ohio State and the SEC that is a hurdle. And I think we, but let's let's get some more suggestions. Yeah, and there are a lot, uh, obviously, a lot of SEC stuff. So, and also, just to real quick, they've played Miami. He suggested Miami. They just did that. They've done Notre Dame, and they have Notre Dame on the schedule. Mm -hmm. So, some of these they are making happen. Florida State would be great. Uh, Michael C at Michael underscore Enio says uh, he said this reminds me of when you could create your own schedule on the NCAA football game, which was awesome. I love doing that. Mm -hmm. Um, He says he loved to see the Buckeyes play in some of the great road venues, and then he says in no particular order he has LSU. Texas A&M, UCLA, Florida State, and Alabama. Okay. So more SEC stuff. I think UCLA is an interesting one. Um, and again, who knows what will happen in, the, in a decade or whenever this game would actually be scheduled. But if you were to play that game now, it would be Urban Meyer against Chip Kelly. Right. Which would be incredible. Urban Meyer's never coached in the Rose Bowl, something he's made mention of plenty of times. Like, there's a difference between coaching in the Rose Bowl and coaching in the Rose Bowl. Right. But being in the building, I think, would be special for him. Um, so I like I like that suggestion, and then he had a lot of the similar LSU. Um, a And M is interesting. I love the idea of Ohio State going to another road venue where there's a hundred thousand fans in the, in, the, yeah. in the stadium. And Kyle Field always has been a field stadium that interests me. I like the three deck structure when yeah. the fans sway. Kind of create if you're in the press box, I feel like create a little bit of vertigo up there. Probably. I don't. Yeah. I, I, it looks really high up. Um, Ohio State and Florida State have played twice in the regular season. Both. In Ohio Stadium in back-to-back years, is that right? This is what this website says. In eighty-two, in eighty-one and eighty-two, both in Columbus, both Ohio State losses. Yeah, I I looked up because again we'll get to our list, but this is the season. UCLA is on mine. I looked it up. Um, Ohio State plays has played UCLA nine times. They haven't played since two thousand one. Ohio State and UCLA played three times in one year. Really. They played in October of 75, 
then again later that year in the Rose Bowl, and yeah. then played in October of 76. And it was like October 4th, 75, and October 2nd, 76. Really? Wow. They played three times in 363 days. Yeah. Yeah. The They've played uh, Texas A&M twice in the regular season, both in Columbus, both Ohio State wins, one in 1963, one in 1970. And again, the... We're not really talking about bowl games because bowl games—that's what bowl games are for. Yeah. And bowl games are random, and sometimes you get them, and and even these days you're not in control of that. So it's like, yeah, they might play an SEC team in a bowl game, and they might play Texas A&M and UCLA, but we're trying to control this a little bit. So we're talking regular season games. Um, the UCLA game, I think, was the game delayed by 9/11, right? Is that right? 2001. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. Uh, Tyler Shoemaker has a list. He said he lives in South Carolina. Learn something new about our listeners every episode. He says uh, Clemson, Bama, Georgia, and Florida. He didn't give us a fifth. He only gave us four. Um, he says he lives in Tiger Country near Clemson, so that's why he has Clemson number one, Bama two, Georgia three, Florida four. He says his brother is a Florida fan. It would be fun for his family to have that back and forth. Like I, I will say, I do. I want to say guarantee. I'll say guarantee. I guarantee. Urban, Urban Meyer would not agree to an Ohio State-Florida series that he would have any chance of coaching. Yeah. Yes. 100%. Just because, like, why he would not agree to torture himself. What so, about, like, would you think, because, like, Dan Mullen's there now. They're good friends. you think he'd play Florida on a neutral field if he didn't have to go to Gainesville? Maybe if he didn't have to go to Gainesville. I think he might do it if he didn't have to go to Gainesville. But again, it's like he, when they, the very first game, the first game that Ohio State played after Urban Meyer was hired was the 2011 Gator Bowl. 2000, yeah, 2011 Gator Bowl versus Florida. That Urban Meyer was the head coach by then, but Luke Fickle was still the head coach and coaching that game. And Urban Meyer, like, didn't want anything to do with that. Like, and I get it. And that was a little fresher then, but it's like, these are, these are and he's been like he would play Bowling Green like that's not yeah he he, they, they have Bowling Green on the schedule right yeah yeah we, when did they play in Bowling Green well they already they played them two years ago oh yeah did we write a big thing about it yeah I think we did okay yeah um that'd be a good story hey he's playing a school that he used to coach and he might play Utah it's a good angle Urban Meyer used to coach at this school oh Utah would be a good owner I'm curious if anyone's in Utah and I think he'd do Utah yeah but I just don't think he wants to get. Wrapped up. Like, Florida is... Florida? Urban Meyer playing Florida is like inviting your ex fiance yeah. to your wedding. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not like the random girl. And and playing Bowling Green in Utah... Let's see. Playing Bowling Green is like inviting the girl... Like, the first time you went out with someone like in seventh grade. Yeah. Like, you'd invite her to your wedding. Like, you went out... Like, you know, it was your first girlfriend. It was, you have good memories of it. It was kind of fun. Um, you went to a couple movies. No big deal. <laughs> But, like, she can come to your wedding. Utah is, like, your, like, the girl that you, like, your your prom date from high school. Like, you know what? Like, you guys were really into each other. Um, there were some intense feelings, but you didn't really know how to love yet. You didn't know what love meant. And you were still just kind of a kid. Um, so, it's it was more real. But but Utah can come to your wedding. Like your your wife wouldn't be mad like that. Like oh Utah. Like yeah. Utah and like you know what? Like Utah might look really good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like Utah's like wow Utah. But you feel good for Utah. Like oh Utah, uh, you're married. 
Oh, Utah has a kid? Wow, you look really good. You just had the baby six months ago? You are in great shape. And your wife, like, gives you a little elbow in the gut. Like, okay, with the Utah praise. That's enough. <laughs> but, but it's still okay because it was high school. But Florida, Florida is like your college girlfriend. And, like, you got to the end of college. And it was like, we're either getting married or we're breaking up. And you wanted to get married. And Florida, like applied for a job that she wasn't sure she was going to get. <laughs> she thought she had like a 10% chance of getting it. And it's in Paris because everything like that is in Paris. Yeah. And so she got the thing and she got the, the, the fellowship in Paris and you didn't want to go to Paris, but you thought you were all, you were like ready to get married. And then this thing happened and you tried to do long distance for a little bit. And there was like a French guy and it just it tore you apart and it tore your heart out and it tore her heart out. And to invite that to your wedding wouldn't do anyone it's any good. For problems, yeah. You're asking for trouble. Florida's gonna wind up mad at you. Ohio State's gonna wind up mad at you. <laughs> You're gonna wind up mad at yourself. So you know what? Like you you have fond feelings for Florida. Like you can you and Florida, when you're apart, can feel good about each other. But let's not put Florida, you and Florida in the same room. But as a wedding guest, I'd love to watch that. Oh! <laughs> Get me a bucket of popcorn I'll for watch that. All of that. Yeah. 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 No, that's true. <laughs> that's the thing. And that's who's it about? Yeah. Is this really about the groom and the bride? Or is it about what the guests want? Right. Because the thing is, like, you don't have to pay to go to a wedding. <laughs> <laughs> well, sometimes you do. Yeah, you have to send a gift. Yeah. I sent a gift to someone, to our buddy, Zach Meisel. I, I think the etiquette still says that you have a year to send someone a wedding gift. Yeah, I think that's right. And for a year, I said, I have a year, 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 I have a year. And then I saw on Facebook, one year anniversary. And I was like, oh my God. And so I was like one year and three days. That's right. So I was outside the window. <laughs> he wasn't mad though. I appreciate it. Did you they, give him like an autographed copy of the plane dealer? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, uh, So happy anniversary to Zach. Ohio State and Clemson have not played in the regular season. And again, like, Ohio we're talking about, like, oh, Tennessee. and Like, is Clemson a power now? Yeah. Like, but are they or are they a Dabo power? Like, is like – is, oh, because yeah. – so it's like you schedule Clemson because Clemson's awesome, but it's – you schedule them for 10 years from now, and by the time you play them, Dabo's at Alabama, and, like – the next guy that took over at Clemson couldn't keep it going. And so now you're like, it's what they did like with Virginia Tech, although Virginia Tech beat them. But it's like they scheduled Virginia Tech when like Virginia Tech was coming off like Michael Vick. And then it's like, guess what? Virginia Tech doesn't have Michael Vick anymore. So it's like, that was a nice series, but Virginia Tech wasn't like a national, national power yeah. when Ohio State played them because that was more scheduling a team that was good but was could get to great, but wasn't inherently great. And I don't know if – do you believe Clemson officially is inherently great now? Or is it very possible that if Ohio State made this game happen and it was for 2028, 20, 
That's the next hole they have. If they announce the series with Clemson for 2028 and 2029, do you believe that by the time that game was played, that would be a great national series? Or do you believe that there would be a, there's a definitely a good chance that that would be a okay game by then? No, I think I think, <coughs> I think Clemson has staying power uh, because of where it is. Um, and also because like Dabo Swinney's success there has has put Clemson in a place where it is putting the financial resources necessary to be a power into the program, and I don't think that would. I think they they've gotten a taste now, and they're not going to want to lose that even when Dabo most likely leaves for Alabama or elsewhere. I don't think he's there forever, but once he's gone, I think they're a player on the national stage. Now, it doesn't mean they're going to be in the playoff every year. Of course not, but. I think they are a competitor to win the ACC every year, even if Willie Taggart gets Florida State going and Mark Richt has Miami back. Um, I think those three programs are the three best in the ACC for the foreseeable future, and Clemson's not going anywhere. I actually disagree with Bill. The reason Shocked. The reason I say that, I mean, who's to say in the next decade? I mean, you mentioned Dabo Sweeney has always got that one eye on the Alabama job. Who's to say if Sweeney gets goes to Alabama that they're going to find a coach that's even close to Dabo's level? Well, yeah, I mean, that. I don't think we're talking about the hype. Of course, they can make a bad hire, and like if that's the answer, then then I guess you said. But I'm talking about like state of the program and the program's place in college football, and what the university is willing to pay to keep the program where it is in college football. And I think all those things align to keep Clemson where it is, even after Dabo leaves. But but I've we've seen Dab we've seen Clemson before Dabo, and Clemson was met very meh. Before. You think Alabama's going to suck when Nick Saban leaves? Like Alabama's going to go by the wayside when Nick Saban leaves because they stunk before he got there. If they get Dabo, no. I'm I'm big. I'm bigger on Dabo than I am on Clemson. Yeah, but I think we're not talking about the code. You're, we're not having a Dabo conversation. We're having a conversation about Clemson staying power as, a, as in college football. So um, Clemson won the national championship in 1981. Danny Ford was like the best coach I think in Clemson history. I don't know. Frank Howard is he famous? Frank Howard in the 50s. I don't want to talk about Frank Howard. I don't want to talk about Clemson's coach in the 50s. Danny Ford, between 1979 and 1989, was really good at Clemson. They won the national title in 1981. Um, His last four years, in the final AP poll, Clemson finished 17th, 12th, 9th, and 12th. Okay? In 1990, the first year after Danny Ford, so Danny Ford's players, they finished 9th in the final AP poll. That was in 1990. From then until 2013, from 1991 through 2012, Clemson did not finish in the top 10 in the final AP poll. They finished 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6. They finished in the 20s, 6 years. They finished 16th once. That was their highest. And 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11. 11 of those years, they didn't finish in the top 25. Dabo's been there a while. He hasn't been there a decade yet. Um, I think it's a really... I think they're right on the border. I think I, at the moment, agree more with Tim. That I think... Tim pumped his fist. I did. (laughs) I, I think... God, this is like an interesting thing. Clearly, Ohio State's success is not tied to a coach. If you're mm-hmm. another team scheduling Ohio State, you want to schedule Ohio State because you want Ohio State come hell or high water. And this goes back to our indestructible series that we did. When was that now? Before the 2015 season, I think. Or no. 16 season? 
I get them mixed up. Was that that was not the Duck Dynasty one? We Duck Buck, Dynasty we did, was fifteen. We yeah. did Buck Dynasty before fifteen, and then we did Indestructible before okay. sixteen. And in two, but when we did that series to preview the two thousand sixteen season, our contention was that Ohio State was the most indestructible program in college football and one of the most indestructible teams in American sports mm-hmm. because they are who they are. There are so many things in place now. Urban has Urban taken them to a higher level? Absolutely. But look at what Jim Trestle did. Look at what John Cooper did with talent and 10-win seasons and being in the national picture. Not getting over the top, but being in the national picture. Look at what Earl Bruce did, that 9-3 and three every year, and that wasn't good enough. Ohio State is Ohio State. And there are oh, so few. Like, even Alabama proved that it, Alabama wasn't always Alabama. Texas proved. Texas isn't always Texas. And I think Alabama and Texas are more lasting established brands than Clemson is. So I would say at the moment, um, our main contention there was that most programs are a bad hire away. Michigan proved it. Most programs are a bad hire away from falling off a cliff. I don't, I don't know that Ohio State is a bad hire away. I think Clemson, no, Ohio State's not. Like, cause, cause again, like, the worst thing they could be, I think, is an, for an extended period, you might have a bad year. Coop had a bad year. And then you get fired. But for an extended period of time, I don't see a world where, like, they could, I don't think Ohio State could hire any coach who would be here for, like, five years and have a 500 record. Do you think that'd be possible? I, we're getting off track, but, like. Yeah, no, I see what you're saying. I, but I don't know if they make, like, say they get caught up in, like, uh, like, I don't know where they, so Dabo goes. In five years, it's like they try to get Chad Morris back or Brent Venables has stayed there with the promise of being the next guy, but he's never been a head coach, but you feel like you've got to give him the job. Or you go with some, you go with Lane Kiffin or some kind of rising star who's not a cultural fit for some reason. You, I mean, Michigan hired Rich Rodriguez, right? People can make bad yeah. hires. Um, I don't know that I believe that Clemson is, is, uh, Locked in as who they are, that if you scheduled them a decade from now, you knew you'd be getting a national power. And I think the reason that I say that is because I don't even know that I could get the five programs that you could guarantee that if you scheduled them a decade from now, they're going to be in the national conversation. I'm not sure you could get the three because we just ran through that yep. it wasn't true for Michigan, it wasn't true for Texas, it wasn't true for Alabama. So who the hell is it true for? It's true for Ohio State. And now we're, we're backtracking. We're going back to a, a series we already did. It was a good series, though. It was a really <laughs> good series. Go read it. Just Google Ohio State Indestructible. I don't... Like, if Dabo stays... And I also think, like... Do we want to have a Clemson podcast? Yeah, let's do a Clemson podcast. Do you think he could stay? Do you think he could stay forever? No. Okay. I think he's going to go to Alabama. Tim? I agree with Bill. He's going to Bama one day. People say that because he went there. Alma maters are a huge draw. Um, I just Clemson. I mean, whatever. I don't know Dabo Swinney personally, and maybe he wouldn't make a decision because of this. Clemson can't pay Dabo whatever Alabama decides it wants to pay him when it's time to go after him. I mean, I guess I guess the question is, who wants to follow Saban? Which is a very valid question. So it's going to be a super... Interesting question, um, because part of the point there is is, and that's why the I mean the urban 
in many ways saved Ohio State, but it, it was because of his particular incident with Ohio State. It's not that the program overall had fallen off. It's that they had a singular issue that I thought might linger, and it turned out that he wiped it away instantaneously, and for that, Ohio State will forever be grateful to Urban Meyer, and I think he might have been the only coach in America who could have wiped that away instantaneously the way he did because nobody else could have gone 12-0. and um, but, but Urban's rescue job of Ohio State, I think, is very different than Nick Saban's rescue job of Alabama because Alabama just stopped being Alabama for an extended period of time just for football reasons. And he came and saved them. And for that, um, he's going to be viewed in a particular way, that, that in a, in a program-building way, that, that Alabama had proven that it can suck. And he got them back to what they were. Um, and, and, and they stunk in a way that wasn't like losing to your rival kind of way. And, oh, no, we only won 10 games, but we lost our rivalry game. They were irrelevant. They yeah. were irrelevant for a decent stretch. With coaching mishaps out the wazoo, they couldn't get the coach straight. Yeah, I don't know. I guess I think in general, like replacing the legend is a good thing to be concerned about and you should be concerned about. How often does it happen that a national championship coach leaves to go to to take a job like that? Like I just think like Davo Swinney, I think already has enough name brand that if he were to take over at Alabama, like Alabama wouldn't lose recruits. I don't think because Nick Saban left if Davo Swinney took over. Right. So he'd just be leaving a team built to win a national championship for another team built to win a national championship. And he'd be a culture fit. Um, I just don't. In general, I think you're right in that particular circumstance. I don't know if I'd be worried about that. It'd be quite the personality shift, though, from Saban to Sweeney out at Alabama if that were to happen. Yes, it would. I guess the question is, if you're Dabo, I was trying to look up if Danny Ford has a statue at Clemson. It doesn't seem like he does. If Dabo Sweeney goes to Alabama and wins five national championships at Alabama, okay? Ridiculous. He's the third best coach in the history of that program. Yeah, if he wins five national championships at Clemson, they rename the school Dabo. <laughs> so yeah. I know yeah. you have an alma mater. Like I'll be curious. Um, and if he goes to Alabama and doesn't win five national championships, then everyone's going to be like, what's up? Well, he only needs one for a statue, right? That's the threshold. Is win it? one title, they give you a statue. Does Gene Stallings have a statue yeah, in Alabama? Like, there's like five of them out there, yeah. Really? Oh, I didn't know there was a threshold. Yeah. That's a low statue threshold. I'm all in, though, for, for a Dabo Sweeney statue because I just love to see, like, if it has him with, like, his big grin or whatever he does. Because I'm looking at the Saban one, it's just him clapping. Yeah. I mean, it took... Were you guys... You, it, it, think about it. It took forever for Ohio State to put up a Woody Hayes statue. I like a high statue, statue threshold. I thought Ohio State's was too high for a while. But I would rather have a high statue threshold than a low statue threshold. I think a low statue threshold is uh, is a sign of insecurity. And I think yeah. it diminishes. If I were Alabama, I would knock down every statue that isn't Bear Bryant or Nick Saban. Yes. To, to elevate or at least make them different heights. I'm trying to figure out the history of the statues now outside the stadium. I, I agree with Doug. Statues should mean something. They should. It's not everybody gets a statue day. I did a story, I think I've talked about it before. It was one of my favorite stories I did. 
probably eight years ago now about all the statues in the Big Ten. And it was like Michigan State had a Magic Johnson statue, which is awesome. And Illinois had a Red Grange statue. And um, um, I'm trying to think who else the other statues were that like stood out. But like Wisconsin had a Barry Alvarez and a Pat Richter statue like at the entrance to their stadium. They still do, which is like two athletic directors. And I know Barry Alvarez was the coach first. But it's like Pat Richter was like the AD who hired Barry Alvarez. And Ohio State like didn't have any statues. And I was like, why don't you have any statues? Hmm. And oh. then they built a Woody statue and a Jesse Owens statue. And they were like, well, we have this piece of art in front of Ohio Stadium that is about Jesse Owens. And it was like, yeah, it's like a bunch of it's a bunch of squares or whatever and a bunch of sayings. But what about a statue? And now they finally have statues, but again, high threshold. Apparently Alabama, this is a sporting news story from 2016. They're planning on building statues of uh, Mark Ingram and Trent Richardson, because they're Heisman Trophy winners. Yeah. Or, sorry, Derrick Henry and Mark Ingram. Boo. Um, Boo. Apparently, Auburn and Florida also have tro- or statues of their Heisman Trophy winners. Really? Yeah. And Ohio State, so now Ohio State, how could, should Ohio State have, write this down. Should Ohio State have an Archie statue? Ohio State should probably have an Archie statue. Yeah, I mean. He's the only two-time Heisman winner ever. It's kind of a joke that they don't have an Archie statue yeah. somewhere. I mean, they have his like they should ha- have more than just his name and number up on up on one of the decks of the stadium. There are like fourteen Brutus Buckeye statues around campus, and there's not a statue of Archie Griffin anywhere. Again, I mean, <laughs> it, it took like, but it took like seventy-five years to get a statue of the guy who crammed it up Hitler's nose. Yeah, yeah. That guy took seventy-five <laughs> years. They get a statue. So it's like, all right, too high. Like, it's like, did you did you stand up for all of the human race against the most evil person in the history of the world? No? All right, you've got to wait for your statue longer. So, like, and this Jesse Owens statue is tremendous. I love it. It is, yeah. yeah. We, I, we, drive, drive, we drive past it all the time because it's right at the corner to where you go in the back of the parking lot at the Woody Hayes. Yeah, it's, it's kind of, it is difficult to find, I think. I but wish it, it was also, more prominent. But it also makes sense, like, it's outside Jesse Owens Stadium. It's like, where, yeah. where else are you going to put it? I, I mean, I would put it, like, I don't know, like, in the middle of campus. But again, like, but they don't have, like, they don't have a Jerry Lucas statue. They don't have a John Havlicek statue. Like, oh, they don't have no a Katie, Mark Loving statue. They don't have a Katie Smith statue. Yeah. Like, they... But Archie, should they have an Archie statue? Is there a Jack Nicholas statue? There, I think there's a Jack Nicholas statue like in the lobby of the Nicholas Museum. Okay. I and mean, again, we're talking about a campus that it's like, it. that's the threshold. It's like, are you one of the 10 greatest athletes <laughs> in American history? No? Then you don't get a statue. Um, now I want to find out how many Heisman Trophy winners have statues. Because, like, no offense to Mark Ingram, you don't need a statue. Yeah, no, I agree. What are we talking about? Uh, we were talking about schedules. We were so now on schedules up, like now 20 minutes ago. Jack Nicholas statues are. Yeah, no, there's, there's, there's a Nicholas. I don't think it's outside. I think it's in the lobby of the Nicholas Museum. <coughs> it looks like there are a couple of them. He's really good. Good golfer. He was good. Did you ever play in the media memorial thing? I did. I dented a scoreboard. <laughs> <laughs> I've played, I've played, they have a meet, so the Memorial Tournament um, has a media day every year where they let hacks like us go tear up a golf course designed by a legend, 
And um, <laughs> they were doing a thing like on one, one of the holes where it was like they everyone drop a ball in the trap behind the green, and it's like a little extra competition and see who can get it closest to the pin out of the trap. Yeah. And so on the other side of the green was one of the large, like, um, tin, like, little scoreboards where they list, like, the five liters, but that's up high. It's like an old-fashioned kind of thing, right? Yep. But it was, like, right on the other side of the green, but high. And so I, like, just went in the trap. This is, like, the day is, like, a week before the tournament. And I went in the trap and just took a mighty swing and got it a little too flush and flew it over the green and pegged that scoreboard like I hit it like I hit a drive. If I hit, hit the scoreboard, <laughs> I would have hit it like two hundred yards out of the trap. Um, screaming line drive and dented, put a dent right in the thing of it that was still there then for the tournament. Think about it. Do I said as I whenever I said I'm terrible. I am absolving myself from blame. I am giving you the opportunity to kick me out of this event. Whatever happens from here on out is not on me. Yeah. It's on you. That's fair. This, and then, then again, later I broke the arm of a human being. Yeah. So, I mean, it's not, it's not, that is a blanket warning for anyone that ever plays golf with me. Okay. So let's get more people's list because we've talked with four. You're going to play in it some year? No. No. I played a par three the other day and limited myself to seven strokes per hole and got to seven on eight of the nine holes. <laughs> yeah, but that's not really your game. No. It actually is my game because I can't hit a ball off the tee with a driver to save my life. Um, okay. More lists from people. Uh, Ace Boogie 517 at Trey Willie says uh, Alabama Auburn. Clemson at Death Valley. He says Kansas State at Kansas State, which was one that no one else had suggested. And then his fifth team was a Japanese college football team just because. I would do that. Yeah, Japanese team would be cool. I did see I did see a video. I forget where it was. It might have been off Reddit's college football account, which I follow, of of, an, of a Japanese player delivering one of the worst cheap shots I've ever seen on a quarterback. Like The quarterback really? threw the ball, and like three, four seconds later, this guy comes in and levels him. Really? Yeah, some like I don't remember what the injuries were. I don't want to like say without looking at the tweet, but it was one of the dirtiest things I've ever seen. I did not know that that American football was played in Japan. That's Japanese yeah. football. Is too if you follow Reddit college football, they tweet about it all the time. Really? Like they're into it. Ohio State and Kansas State have only ever played once in the Fiesta Bowl after the 2003 season. Never in the regular season. I go to Manhattan, the Little Apple. Uh, G. Nilly says Bama, Georgia, Florida State, A and M, and Clemson. Uh, Rich Burns says Buckeyes either play Florida State, LSU, Louisville, Kentucky, and other Ohio schools. Louisville, Kentucky, I think are interesting. Both like Kentucky's a, on my list. Yeah, they're both a three-ish hour drive from Columbus, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, other Ohio schools, like I don't know, like they've made the rounds on them. I just like do people get excited about it. I don't. I'm not. I don't get juiced up for Ohio State, Cincinnati, or Ohio State versus any like. The thing we always talk about, we've written about before, is like Ohio State always seems to play MAC teams like the year before or the year after they're a MAC contender. Right. Um, so like if they were playing, I don't know, if they were playing a Toledo team that was going to win ten games that year and win the MAC, like I'd watch that game. Right. But short of that, I don't like. I'm not going to like. They play Miami of Ohio next year. And like I, they missed Roethlisberger. They yeah. missed. Yeah, I, I wrote the story. It was one of the first things I wrote when I got on this beat because they were. I think they were playing. They playing the, Kent State. I think okay. they were playing. Yeah. 
and I wrote about how they always, more often than not, they seem to, to miss the best. Were they playing like Kent State the year after Daryl Hazel left? Like when Daryl Hazel was yeah. so good, he got the Purdue job. Yeah, off a great Kent State season, and yeah. then they played Kent State. Yeah, and then yeah. they played. They played like Western Michigan the year before Western Michigan went thirteen and zero. Right. Yeah. Um, Kentucky. They've played Kentucky twice, both in Columbus, nineteen nineteen and nineteen thirty five, and Louisville. They've played twice, both at Ohio State. Uh, both Ohio State wins in nineteen ninety one and nineteen ninety two. Hmm. I think Kentucky would be fun, and also they'd never do it. The yeah, the last thing Ohio like Vince Marrow, who was Kentucky's <laughs> recruiter. Ohio recruiter uh, already like pumps his puffs his chest out for no reason because he's never truly beaten Ohio State head to head for a recruit, but he'll tell you otherwise. <laughs> um, the last thing they need is Vince Morrow recruiting in Ohio with a win over Ohio State. Yeah. Not that like it wouldn't like ruin the program, but he'd just be like a colossal pain in the ass. Well, I mean, he's <laughs> and and we've documented that Kentucky is so interesting in recruiting Ohio, and you know that because you sat in a room with Vince Morrow. Yeah, talked about all that. Vince, yeah, he is, uh, like, give him credit, I guess, for being, like, optimistic and, I don't know, essentially lying about his success against Ohio State. But he is a good recruiter. He's an aggressive recruiter in Ohio. It's just, like, Ohio State's not going to lose to Kentucky in recruiting. But if Kentucky had that one thing, like, hey, remember that time we beat them? Like, that would not be great for Ohio State. Yeah. Um, Jordan Williams says Alabama, Georgia, Florida State or Florida, Clemson, and Tennessee. Uh, Let me see if we've got any other lists. Doug DeLillo says Bama, Auburn, LSU, Florida, and Florida State. A lot of SEC teams, right? We're getting a lot of SEC teams. A whole SEC lot of SEC teams, teams mm-hmm. yeah. Scott Duda says LSU, UCLA, Miami, Georgia, and Florida State. A lot of Florida States. Uh, and I think that was the last list we got. A bunch of Miamis, too. A lot of Miamis, a lot of, yeah, a lot of Florida States, a lot of LSUs. Kelvin Corbin had some interesting ones. Oh, I skipped one, too, because I thought his list was funny. Uh, where is it? It was from Dave Fitzgerald. Where's he at? I I see it. I got it right here. Home and home. Number one, Georgia. He said, this is from him, Georgia. Show Kirby's boss. Number two, LSU. LSU, Baton Rouge and Knight plus a title game rematch. Number three, Florida State, the best ACC team OSU doesn't ever play. Number four, whoever pays Tim Beck to quote-unquote coach. <laughs> And number five, anybody but Rutgers. Literally anybody else will do for all we know. Yeah. Nice. Um, oh, yeah. Kelvin Corbin had a good one, too. Sorry, did you look something up there? No, I, w- I went to um, the, the David Gerald one. No, no, I was talking about No, I have a thing. Go ahead. Kelvin Corbin says, uh, my scheduling hope is for the best teams Ohio State has never played. And he says, Mississippi schools, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, Boise State, and Georgia Tech. Boise State would be interesting just because I have yeah. just because I have family in Boise and it'd be fun to, to watch a game on the blue turf. Yeah, Boise's awesome. I I do like and I didn't put this on up on my list, but I do like the idea of Ohio State playing a group of five team that's actually good. Like uh like they played Tulane Tulane right the year they played Oklahoma they played or no, Tulsa. Tulsa I think Tulsa ended up winning ten games that year, but no one was expecting anything from Tulsa. Like if they were ever to get like a team like UCF last year right. or Houston two years ago. Somebody like that. Like, Boise State, I think, has the potential to be, be a team like that every year. But the idea of playing a group of five teams that you might actually be capable of losing to is interesting. But, again, I don't think they'd ever do it. But, like, like when Oklahoma 
Lost to Houston. Got Houston. Yeah. Like the Tom Herman year was like, what? Yeah. I was like, what? What? We have Tom Herman and then Ohio State. And it was like, oh, like this is awful. And then Oklahoma uh, started 0-2. Yeah. <laughs> and then won the rest of their games. Yeah. But it was like, okay, well, we know we're getting Ohio State. But it's like, oh, what What do we have as our Ohio State warm-up? It's like, oh. And I don't know. I mean, I guess it's possible. It's certainly possible that Luke Fickle can turn Cincinnati into a team that's competing for the American Athletic Conference Championship. Yeah. So, if that if they if he got them to that level, I'd certainly be interested in Ohio State Cincinnati game. But Luke Fickle would also get them to that level and then like bolt. Right. So yeah. it's just it's a tough uh, well, position. And that's the thing. But and and you know, Cincinnati's been there. I mean, again, Cincinnati in two thousand two, Ohio State almost lost to Cincinnati. Right, Tim. Mm-hmm. Right. But I mean, they've been there. They were there with D'Antonio. Mm-hmm. They were there with Brian Kelly. Like, and then those guys all both bolted. Now they they didn't get there with with Tuberville to the same extent when they played Cincinnati. Two thousand fourteen. Fourteen. Right. Yeah, it was like fifty six to twenty or something. Somebody like was that. reminding me of that on Twitter the other day. That that was, was that the team they played the week after the Virginia Tech loss. Yeah. I think I picked Ohio State to lose to Cincinnati. Of <laughs> 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 They won like. They won like by fifty. It was like Gunnar Keel threw like three sixty-yard touchdowns to the same person. Yeah, I forget who, what the receiver's name was, and then Ohio State scored fifty-six or something. Like that. I mean, I think it was just like, listen, it's no, it's not a criticism of Ohio State, but I just don't think Joey Bosa, Darren Lee, Von Bell, Eli Apple, Josh Perry can stop Gunnar Keel. I mean, <laughs> can anyone stop Gunnar Keel? It's not a criticism. I've never seen anyone play quarterback the way Gunnar Keel plays quarterback. Great that name. was my analysis. Perfect name for a quarterback. So those it is, by the way. Uh, are those the? Uh, those are our. Are there any more loyal listener suggestions? You picked Cincinnati twenty-eight, Ohio State twenty-seven. <laughs> and I said I picked them to beat Kent State the next week, and nobody ever wants to talk about that. Nobody ever wants to talk about. Oh, remember the time Doug beat, beat, picked Ohio State to beat Kent State? Never comes up. I I totally forgot you did that. Ari picked uh, Ohio State thirty four seventeen. I picked Ohio State thirty five twenty eight. So we were all wrong thinking that Cincinnati had a chance, but you took it one step farther. I did, and I only ever pick what I think. I never, yeah. I don't do anything. Why would you ever do anything in this business other than what you think? Because whenever you're wrong, you get crap, which is fine. But how could you be willing to get crap for something you don't actually think? I mean, I know guys get rich doing that, but like, I just <laughs> it's not worth it. I guess it would be worth it if I got millions of dollars. No, it wouldn't. It's not worth it for your integrity. Would I sell my integrity for millions of dollars? Probably. No, I would. Oh, it also says like you in the preseason said Ohio State would go ten and two with one non conference loss, and this was the game you felt they would lose before okay. the season started. So you stuck to what your preseason prediction was. But I and so I was wrong, except I was sort of right. That I actually do a decent amount of the time. Yeah. Like I said they'd lose a kind of a non conference game you didn't expect them to lose. Which they did, which is the week before. before. Which, again, is like, well, I remember one year I picked them. I picked them one year to lose. I felt like it was the 09 year. I felt like they just had a loss coming because I felt like they were a little too confident or whatever. And I picked them to lose at home to Wisconsin and Scott Tolzien. And it was like, that didn't happen. And then they lost to Purdue the next week. And it was like, I was wrong. But I kind of was right. Like you, I just like you could sense something, and so um, and like when I picked them to lose to Indiana yeah. at Indiana that year, it's like they won, they beat Indiana, 
Yeah. Except like Indiana <laughs> threw a pass in the end zone <laughs> in the last play of the game yeah. to tie it. They hit a guy in the hands. So um, I'm not asking. Am I asking for credit for being wrong? Yeah, I yeah. am. Um, okay. So here's the point. But are we done with the listener? We're done with thing? the listener list. Yes. Okay. Before we get to your lists, no, forget that. No, let's do it. I want to make this point, and something happened, and they were on the right track, and then they, they got. I don't know what happened specifically, but everything everyone just said, they just need to know this. In two thousand and eight, Ohio State announced that its next. Big time national series. They announced it in 2008. Games were to be played in 2018 and 2019. That opponent was Tennessee. Mm-hmm. That series was canceled in 2011. I think it was, I, because I, Tennessee is on my list, so I was reading about that. And this was at least the excuse given it was that Ohio State asked to have it canceled because the Big Ten announced it was going to nine conference games. Yeah. I think that's. And Tennessee agreed. Then in 2011, shortly after, but shortly after, that announcement in 2011 that had been canceled. In 2011, Ohio State then announced, in 2011, they announced another series for 2020 and 21 against Georgia. And a year later, they canceled it. So we were on a path where right now we would be getting ready to start a home-and-home with Tennessee knowing that coming next was Georgia, that Kirby Smart was waiting. And instead, so instead of Tennessee the next two years, Georgia the following two years, we have a neutral site TCU and a year with nobody and then Oregon. What would you rather have? Tennessee and Georgia, without a doubt. So why don't we have it? I don't know. I don't. I don't know why they would have canceled the Georgia series. <clears throat> the Tennessee one, I guess, makes sense. I don't know. But but again, but they they but they did it, and then scheduled was when was TCU the home and home with TCU was supposed to be what eighteen and nineteen or seventeen and eighteen eighteen and nineteen. Okay, so. They canceled an 18 and 19 home and home with Tennessee and then made an 18 and 19 home and home with TCU. And then I think with the Big Ten schedule and whatever, they changed it to a neutral site. But after canceling Tennessee with the excuse of a nine game conference schedule, they made the TCU series. So they picked the Dallas metropolitan area and the greater Portland metropolitan. Where is, where, is uh, Oregon? Oregon's in Salem. It's in Eugene. It's in Eugene. Is Eugene close to Portland? How big is Oregon? Can you drive to everywhere in Oregon? It can't be that big. Uh, it's like as I, big as Rhode Island. I don't know how close Eugene is to Portland. How can you never, not know how close Eugene is to Portland? Do you never call yourself a college football writer? I'd love to go and find out. I think Cleveland.com would pay for that. But we're going to send Bill to Oregon just to... Just to see how far it is. <laughs> One hour, 45 minutes. Okay. greater Maybe not by the, by the census. It's not a, the greater metropolitan area. But the Portland Ohio State Alumni Club can get to the game in Oregon, um, in Eugene. Is Oregon State in Corvallis? Corvallis. Salem's the capital of Oregon, though, right? What's the capital of Oregon? Is it Portland? Why do I think it's what's Salem? That's what, I think the, it's the witch Salem. trials were. 
What's the capital? Salem, Massachusetts is where the witch trials were. Yeah. Doesn't mean there aren't witches in yeah. Salem, Oregon. Salem, Oregon. Salem, Oregon. Filled with witches. Um, why is that better? Why is TCU Oregon, even though they didn't switch TCU, but there was a time where they picked TCU Oregon over Tennessee Georgia. Me, as a college football fan, I want Tennessee Georgia. What do you want, Tim? Tennessee Georgia. What do you want? Tennessee Georgia. So why aren't they doing it? Why aren't they, why did they back out of that and change? And I'll tell you what they said, but why? You say first. I don't know. They weren't the play teams they had a better chance of beating. <laughs> Maybe not with Tennessee. Maybe not with Georgia. I don't know. I I don't know. I can't think of a logical reason why you'd want to cancel it. It's because it all makes like geographically it makes more sense. I think caliber of opponent it makes a little more sense, and for your own selfish recruiting purposes, it makes more sense to play those other two. I have no idea why you would want to play TCU and Oregon instead of Tennessee and Georgia. I think it's simple. They you don't want to lose the game in that situation. Maybe. You're afraid you want to like you have buyer's remorse. Like you you schedule the the series, and then a year later, you're like, uh. I'm going to interrupt you. That's not it. They just played Oklahoma. Yeah, they just played Oklahoma. Like they stuck with the Oklahoma series, but they're afraid to play Tennessee. They played USC. They played Texas. Yeah. It's Why not, are they it's canceling not, Tennessee and Georgia? It's not because they're scared of somebody. Yeah. It's not. It's not on-field caliber of opponent. Because they've proven that. They scheduled the U. They scheduled the U. When Ari did the scheduling story, I think it was last year. Yeah. Martin Jarmond, lovely guy, now the AD at Boston College, had everybody in. They announced we're going to have everybody in to talk about schedules. So everybody went. We sent Ari. I was rereading that story when I was writing about the Alabama thing. And he was making the point that when they do a major non-conference national game, they want to think about recruiting and they want to think about alumni base. And so, A, um, I don't know who the hell they're recruiting in Boston and Seattle. Phil Knight. Or Portland. Portland. Okay. Um, And B, like, there are not giant metropolitan cities that Ohio State alumni moved to in the SEC as much as – there are probably larger Ohio State alumni clubs in major cities like Seattle and Boston and Dallas than there are in – Anywhere in Tennessee, I mean Georgia obviously has Atlanta. I'm sure there's a lot of Ohio State people there, but like I don't, I don't want to not have Ohio State schedule Alabama because like there aren't enough Ohio State alumni in Birmingham. Yeah, that is ridiculous to me. And so I think, and I, I, that's what Martin Jarmon said in that story. They're thinking about recruiting and they're thinking about alumni bases. So okay, that that explains why you're playing Texas or whatever. I get it. There's a lot of good players in the South. Mm-hmm. So if it's recruiting, play the SEC. And if it's alumni bases, I don't want to hear about the alumni club in Boston is why you're playing Boston College and why you canceled the series against Tennessee and Georgia. So I don't think there is any rational, currently rational explanation other than they wouldn't play us, 
So we found a reason for why we wouldn't play them. But if Bama is now scheduling Texas and Notre Dame, they're in. So if Bama's up for it, you get up for it, and let's do this, and let's get some SEC teams back on the, ske- teams back on the schedule, because here's my other point. They have a history of playing Pac-12 teams. They've played USC. They've played UCLA. They've played Washington. They're playing Oregon. That is a remnant of times gone by. You just said they played Oregon. They played UCLA three times in, in 365 days. Yeah. That's because Ohio State fans knew the Pac-8, Pac-10, Pac-12 because of that relationship between the Big Ten and the Rose Bowl. That is a remnant of times gone by to continue to schedule. They have Washington on the schedule, and they have Oregon on the schedule. And they don't have a single SEC team on the schedule. Tell me how relevant the Pac-12 is to Ohio State football right now compared to the SEC. When people talk about Ohio State's rivals... Nobody talks about Washington. Nope. Nope. The Pac-12 in relationship to the Big Ten in the modern era at the top echelon of those two conferences, of the top echelon of the Big Ten and the Pac-12, it doesn't matter. It's not what it is anymore. The Rose Bowl is not the goal. You aren't trying to recreate the Rose Bowl in the regular season. You're not trying to capture the Rose Bowl in the regular season. You're not trying to promote the Rose Bowl in the regular season. People who follow Ohio State want to see them play the SEC, and our list just showed it. Yep. Mm -hmm. And if they aren't doing it, they're doing a disservice to their fans, and they're doing a disservice to college football, and I don't think there's a rational explanation for it other than the SEC won't do it. <laughs> now, that's why I wrote the Bama thing. Because I didn't want I can you can pull Ohio State should play Bama out of your hat and get free clicks out of it any day of the year, anytime. Mm-hmm. Ohio State should play Bama. Blah, blah, blah. But when I saw that Ohio, that Alabama in April scheduled a Notre Dame series and in May scheduled a Texas series, that tells me Bama's open for business. And Ohio State should have been on the phone the next day. Now, I don't know. I have no idea. Maybe we can look. I don't know who Georgia has scheduled in the non-conference in the future. Well, I'm looking up like other Big Ten programs who they have scheduled in the future for non-conference. Who want to run through some of those? Yeah. Okay. Uh, so Michigan. Tim, you check SEC future yep. schedules for like Bama, LSU, Auburn, Tennessee. Michigan's got uh, Notre Dame the next two years. Uh, they've got Washington in 20 uh, and also Virginia Tech. They have Washington and Virginia Tech in 20 and 21. Are those home and homes or are those neutral site one-offs? Right now, home and homes. Uh, They have UCLA in 2022 and 2023, Texas in 24, Oklahoma back-to-back in 25 and 26, and then Texas again in 27. So no SEC teams. And they played Florida last year in in, uh, Dallas, but they don't have any future SEC team schedule. Uh, Penn State is just not playing anybody. Uh, They have Pitt again this year. Um, They have Pitt in 19. They have Virginia Tech in 20, and they have Auburn in 2021 and 2022. Okay. Auburn's open for business. Call Auburn. Then they have West Virginia and Virginia Tech again. Wisconsin uh, has nobody this year. 
It's best as USF next year. They have Syracuse, Washington State, Hawaii, Virginia Tech. Nobody, Virginia Tech apparently wants to play a lot of Big Ten teams. By the way, don't forget, top five team. Uh, they all, they play at Hawaii in 2024. That's on my list. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Michigan State has Arizona State this year. That's interesting. Arizona State at 18 and 19. Uh, the U in 26 and or sorry in 20 and 21. Uh, Boise 22 and 23. Nothing in 24 and 25 just yet, and then Notre Dame back on the schedule. Okay. And again, Alabama famously canceled a planned series with Michigan State several years ago. Nebraska <coughs> has Colorado this year, Colorado next year, Cincinnati in 20, Oklahoma in 21, Oklahoma in 22. That's a big deal. Nebraska and Oklahoma playing each other again. Um, Colorado in 23, Colorado in 24, Cincinnati, and then 26 and 27, they have a home-and-home with Tennessee. Nice. Tennessee's open for business. Make the call. Yep. And then Arizona, Oklahoma. They got a lot of Oklahoma on the books, Arizona. Uh, And again, some of these teams, that's the thing about Ohio State. Like, Michigan has a history with Notre Dame that takes up some of their non conference. Nebraska, if Nebraska's playing Colorado and Oklahoma, that's, I mean, that's who they should play. There's a history there they're trying to recapture. There's no history that Ohio State needs to recapture in its non conference schedule. Yeah. Penn State, if they're chickening out on some stuff, but they're trying to get Pitt in there. I get. I mean, Penn State Pitt matters. Penn State yep. and Pitt should play a decent amount of the time. Um, Iowa plays Iowa State every year. That sucks up a non-conference game. Like there are some schools in the Big Ten where you have Michigan State and Purdue. I mean, Michigan State and Purdue both have a thing with Notre Dame as well. Ohio State doesn't have that. Ohio State is open for business, so they have the freedom and the ability to make absolutely awesome non-conference games every year. And to their credit, they have. To their credit, they have. Mm-hmm. Everywhere, except with the, except SEC. the SEC. So that was the the best team, best programs in the Big Ten schedule for the next decade. And there are two SEC series scheduled. Penn State versus Auburn. And what was the last one I said? Nebraska. Nebraska against um, Tennessee. Tennessee. That they're both kind of orange. Yeah. Well, no, Oklahoma's more red. I mean, Nebraska's more red, Nebraska's but it's red. a reddish-orange. It's more of a reddish-orange, well, no. It's just is red. it just straight red? It's just straight red, yeah. I mean, red and orange are next to each other on the color spectrum. They don't say, right? like, go big kind of orange. <laughs> yeah, literally, go... <laughs> that might be the worst thing I've ever said on this podcast, is Nebraska's color orange. Go. They yell, go big... <laughs> He'll go big. <laughs> what color is Nebraska? Is it like a maroon? <laughs> go big. Go big. I don't. I am so stupid. <laughs> oh my god, I'm an idiot. All right, Tim. What you're looking up? Other SEC schools. Who else do you have coming? Yeah, I'm looking up the Big Five: Bama, okay. Auburn, Georgia, LSU to A and M. Alabama, other than neutral site games this year against Louisville, next year against Duke. 2020 USC, 2021 Miami. They have the home and home with Texas in 22-23. Notre Dame home and home 20-28-29. Other than that, basically nothing. Which is why I said, and in the story I said, they're open. They're they're looking for a home and home for 24-25 and 26-27. That's clear. Auburn, as Bill said, got the Penn State home and home 21 and 22. They got got neutral site games. Washington this year, Oregon next year, 2020-nothing. After the after the Penn State home and home, they have nothing. No, before that. Before that, twenty twenty three and twenty four is home and home with Cal, so basically nothing. Okay, but Cal, so but they're not but it's, but Ohio State. So when could Ohio State schedule Auburn? Could they? Sure. What's where's the window? 
23-24, they have one non-conference game scheduled with California. Okay. And then Georgia, this year, nothing. Like, literally nothing. Their non-conference is Austin P, Middle Tennessee, and UMass. And Georgia Tech that they play every year. Yeah, Georgia Tech. 2019, tw- they finish up the home-and-home home with Notre Dame. 2020, neutral site game against Virginia. 2021, nothing. 2 nothing. 3 nothing. They do have a home-and-home home with UCLA for 25 and 26. Okay. LSU's got Miami. 19 and 20, they got a home-and-home home with Texas. 2021, they host, they're at UCLA. 2024, they welcome UCLA. Then 27... And 28, home and home with Oklahoma, 26-29 with Arizona State. Okay. And then A&M, they actually start a home and home with Clemson this year, which is going to be very, which nice. could be interesting. Not not a bad way to start your tenure, Jimbo Fisher. But after With that, a huge loss. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Home and home, <laughs> then a home and home with Colorado, home and home with Miami, and a home and home with Notre Dame. Those are all in separate years. Okay. So, I, I, I just, I mean, when you hear that, when you see that, if Auburn's playing Penn State and Nebraska's playing Tennessee and Alabama's playing Notre Dame and Georgia is in the Georgia's in the midst of a series with Notre Dame, Make it zero, there's zero reason. And you know what? Get Washington off the schedule. They already played Washington. Mm-hmm. Get them off the schedule. I don't want it. Like, Washington cannot, and they've already played Texas. I'm like. Like, that was great. And I know it was kind of long ago now. It was 05 and 06. But that's better than playing frickin' Auburn in 1917. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Why? There's no reason. I'm getting even more pissed off about this now. <laughs> it's Ohio State and the SEC. What is practically one of the defining storylines of college football the past decade? It's Ohio State and the SEC. And it's it, like it's the Big Ten and the SEC, but when you say the Big Ten and the SEC, yeah, it's 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 thirteen other schools lined up behind Ohio State, leaning around them and saying, "Yeah, yeah, what Brutus said." <laughs> hey, you guys. So you know what? Why do we have to hope that it like we get it in a playoff? Why do we have to hope that we stumble into it in a bowl game? Why can't we make it happen? I think, do you think there's any sentiment that it would, and I would staunchly disagree with this, but that it would dilute the playoff if, like, it's an Ohio State-Alabama part two? But, but, like, not in a world where Georgia's playing Notre Dame and Oklahoma, you know, like, where everybody else is playing, and not in a world where Ohio State's history is they, on purpose, played in the non-conference the other conference that they had the bowl association with. Not when the whole deal is they they played the Rose Bowl every year and then they were going out of their way to play Pac-12, Pac-10, Pac-8 teams yeah. in those years. That's their history. It, they have a belief that playing schools that you have a postseason association with somehow enhanced everything. Not took away from it. Yeah. And, and the playoff is wide open and we know the SEC is great. But Auburn and Auburn was going to make the playoff last year if they had beaten Georgia in the SEC championship game, right? Yeah. And Clemson made the playoff last year, right? Mm-hmm. And who opened the season last year? Clemson and Clemson Auburn. Clemson and Auburn. So, like, 
Right? No, uh, they played each other. Maybe they didn't open the season. It Maybe it was week season. two. But no, nobody else is that. Nobody else is like Oregon. They're playing again. They're playing Oregon. They think because they think they're good. It's not that they played Oklahoma last year. Yeah. Oklahoma made the playoff, and Ohio State should have made the playoff. So, I, like, there's we're tr- you know, and again, I'm just throwing out why, and you gave an I, but that's not really there is none. Like, we're making up reasons now because there's really not a reason. There's not a reason on the behalf of the SEC when you see the other schools they're scheduling, and there's not a reason on behalf of Ohio State when you see the other schools they're scheduling. And I think, and I wrote, what I think, a, what about? Uh, have we had a scenario where two teams were? We, I think we've had it where two teams were in contention for a playoff, like truly in contention for a playoff spot, but had the head to head, and like that head to head came into play. Like it would have maybe come into play last year with Auburn and Clemson, but it didn't because Auburn ended up losing its conference championship game. But do you think Ohio State would be worried at all about maybe playing Alabama and then Ohio State loses to Alabama? It's its only loss, but that's the loss that keeps them out of the playoff. And like you didn't necessarily have to give the committee that data point to consider. I mean, again, we don't even know what the playoff... So, that's, again, again, that's another good point about the problem with scheduling things 10 years out. You don't even know what the playoff's going to look like. Yeah. So, when they scheduled Oklahoma, it was in the BCS era. But that could have happened to Ohio State last year. Like, Ohio State had the loss to Oklahoma, and it didn't end up being a head-to-head thing against Oklahoma, because Oklahoma... Kind of was clearly in. Mm-hmm. That wasn't who Ohio State was fighting for the spot with. But Oklahoma was clearly in because of a head-to-head over Ohio State. Yeah. If Ohio State had beaten Oklahoma, Ohio State would have made the playoff, and Oklahoma wouldn't have. But, so if you are if you don't want to schedule Alabama now, by the time they play Alabama, it's probably going to be an 18 playoff. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. So, which again is part of the problem. I don't, I don't know why they have to do it 10 years ahead. But I, I just, I cannot find a rational explanation for them to avoid the thing that our followers, who are representative of the entire Ohio State fan base, that's what they want. They want these SEC experiences, and they want them on campuses. Because even you're not not that they're all going to go to the game, but maybe you'll go to the game. But you want to see Ohio State in Tennessee Stadium. Yeah, it makes the game better. Like Ohio State TCU, I think, will still be good. It won't be as good as it could have been in Fort Worth or in Columbus. And they have held to that principle to their credit through all of this. When I've talked with Gene Smith multiple times over the years about scheduling, they hold to that principle. You talked with Gene about this stuff. Mm-hmm. They've held to that principle, and they're treating the TCU thing as a one-off. It's not a plan as opposed to Alabama making it an absolute plan. And Alabama now doing campus Home and homes is a change. Ohio State's been dedicated to that the whole time. Um, but if that's my point is that that if if the SEC is now willing to do because everyone makes the jokes and they're they're a joke because they're true that SEC teams don't want to play like north of the Mason Dixon line for a road game. Yeah. But mm-hmm. if Auburn's going to Penn State and Tennessee's going to Nebraska, and I don't know technically where Nebraska is within the Mason Dixon line, if you extended it out, would Nebraska be above it or below it? Above. Right? I'm not sure. Yeah, ge- geographic. Yeah, I think it'd be above. This is a terrible geography podcast, I will admit. Iowa might be below. No, Iowa's above Nebraska. <laughs> Isn't I Iowa? I, I thought Iowa's below Nebraska. No, Iowa's. I've been, my family, my in laws are from Iowa. Iowa's definitely, it's like next to Nebraska, but Iowa's a little bit above it. But it's basically in line with it. Right? 
Uh, Edit this part out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's kind of... Uh, you drive out of Nebraska. Iowa in Nebraska. Yes. Iowa is above the Mason-Dixon line. Is Nebraska? I think it'll be split in half. Okay. I don't know where Lincoln is. Is Lincoln in the, Lincoln's in the middle of the state? What I don't if, know. What if the Mason-Dixon line bisects Memorial Stadium in Lincoln? It like goes right through the 50 Right through the middle, line. yeah. Yeah. Um, so the SEC will only play on that half of the field. <laughs> Why are they kicking off yeah, the same the line, game? Yeah, the line, if you were to just take the line straight across, because it runs along the bottom of, of Iowa, yeah. it would like cut the bottom half of Nebraska. Or not the bottom half, but the bottom portion of Nebraska off. Okay. Um, so Nebraska is in the south. Parts of Nebraska, Parts of Nebraska are, in the south. are in the south. So anyway... I just think they should do it, and I think like everything that's ever been said about why they don't, and again, the real reasons about why they canceled Tennessee and Georgia, whatever they were back then, don't apply anymore because they want to play in the nine-game Big Ten schedule in a 12-game regular season. Now they officially want to play a great non-conference game, a mediocre non-conference game, and a sure win. And so get Georgia, Tennessee, Alabama, Auburn, LSU and A&M and Florida on the schedule. And I and, and I would kick I would kick off everybody else. Maybe not Notre Dame, people love the Notre Dame game, yeah. but I would kick off Texas. I would kick off Texas and Oregon and Washington and Steve Adazio can go jump in the Boston Harbor and <laughs> replace Ohio State on the schedule with MIT or something because like I'm not interested. Boston's so, a cool town though. Yeah. But that's, see, that's the whole problem. <laughs> Somebody in the Ohio State scheduling department just said those words, yeah. Boston's a cool town, and now they're playing Boston College, and nobody ever said that uh, Athens is a cool town too, though. That Athens is a cool town. They don't want to go to Athens as much. So they're not playing Georgia. Go to Athens. It's where REM was founded. <laughs> I've been to the record store, Walk Street Records. You go in the record store, that's where Peter Buck worked and Michael Stipe came in. And that's how they made a band. The greatest band in the history of music. All right. I just get mad about it because it's awesome and it's stupid. Yeah, let's give our list. Awesome and stupid. About an hour, 20 minutes. Boston College Stadium, by the way, holds 44,000 people. Yeah. (laughs) Their Texas high school football stadium is a whole more people than that. So we're about an hour. We talked for an hour and 24 minutes about that. And we still can't wait to not get the questions. And we still haven't given our lists yet. It's so, you know what, you know what our greatest problem is on Buckeye Talk? Our passion. But what if, okay, so now like we're at at an hour 24 and we just talked about our our main topic and we're about to give our list. And what if we, after we gave our list, it was over. Yep. And then we started a whole new podcast where we answer all the questions that we're not going to get to answer because we're not talking for three hours. I mean, this is a gigantic change in people's lives that you are proposing. I'm not saying we're going to do it now. I'm just saying, like, think, as you're listening to this now, just think about it and whether or not that would be a nice experience for you. Right. Because there, there are some of people out there thinking, like, oh, my God, they haven't even gotten a question yeah. yet. Right. It's exhausting. Yeah. Because we have a lot of questions. We're not going to get the whole Who's giving their list first? I guess I should go first. In okay. a full disclosure, I didn't make one, so you guys go. <laughs> nice. All right. Five, I had UCLA. Um, again, go to the Rose Bowl. We great. Chip Kelly, take two years from now, with access to better recruits recruited recruits than he had at Oregon. 
could make something really dangerous usually for at LSU just because I want to go to Death Valley. And as far as I know, it's the only stadium that's ever been registered to have an earthquake during a game. There's a legend about that if you want to look it up. I looked it up. It's it's a fun story. There might have been an earthquake. Has there been an earthquake in Madison? It, it shakes. Madison's terrifying, so it wouldn't surprise me. Number three, Florida State. I, I, there's prestige in Florida State. I'm curious what Willie Taggart's going to do, and I'd love to be there for the tomahawk chop. I have thoughts about that, but I won't share them. Right. Number two, Georgia. We've talked about Georgia. Number one, pretty obvious, Alabama. Yeah, I guess I didn't put mine in order. But all the teams that I have on my list were said by people who sent their list. And I have Florida, uh, UCLA, Alabama, Miami, and Tennessee. And I think, like, the most egregious of all those is Tennessee. We've talked about it. We've hit on it a few times. They're five hours apart, and they've never played in the regular season. Yeah. They've only played once ever. Yeah. And it's five hours from here. Yeah. It's absurd. It is absurd. And that's the thing, too. Like, it, yeah, I think that... I think there's a lot to like. I think West Virginia would be interesting. I mm-hmm. think they've played West Virginia, but I think West Virginia would be interesting. I mean, there's there's a regionality to it. I understand going totally outside your region, yeah. but then I think there's another case for in your region that like you could drive there. I thought about Pitt too, but I don't like I don't know people get juiced up about Ohio State Pitt now. But I I think there's some fun stuff like I think there's almost like two you could make two columns. One's the fly, one's the drive. Yeah. So like Virginia Tech was a you could drive there, but like West Virginia Pitt Kentucky, Louisville, Tennessee, those are some you could drive there schools that would be a lot of fun for and a lot even, of people. Yeah, like uh, Georgia's not too far. Georgia's less than a 10-hour drive. Right. Um, to the, to, just, but to a point, and I think it's not the only thing, but it certainly is a criteria for me of, of whether you have ever done it before. Yep. Of the schools you guys mentioned, Tim, UCLA, they've done it. Mm-hmm. LSU, they've done it. Bill, Miami, they've done it. Mm-hmm. Like some of these that they've done, I just would prioritize – some of these great, great, great programs that they've never done, which is why I would prioritize Alabama and Auburn and Georgia and Tennessee over Notre Dame and Texas and Miami and UCLA and things like that. I think Florida State, they haven't done – I write that down? Florida State, they did it in 81 and 82. That's a little farther away. But, again, they've done it. Like the things when – it, when it's a never, when it's a never, ever, ever, or when it's a 1917 – I would prioritize that just to like check it off the list. Yeah. You know, and I think I think that's okay to think that way. Um, and like again, I just can't believe I don't know why we're doing Washington again. Washington doesn't make any sense to me. I said something at the beginning, like yeah. like Washington like there's no benefit for a high school to play in Seattle and you sounded like you were gonna disagree with I, me. I think it's alumni base. I okay. think they would tell you alumni base that it's like, okay, well if we have a bunch of Ohio State graduates who work for uh, Microsoft. Microsoft then we want to go play for them, which is lovely. Or I think Amazon's in Seattle too. <clears throat> but I think I would say I- if if Amazon picks its H two headquarters to be in Columbus, will Ohio State cancel the Washington series? They should. Okay. Also, I would root then for Amazon to to pick its second headquarters to be in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. <laughs> <laughs> if that's what we're doing. Um. So I just think I just think it's. Borderline. See, because uh, on one hand, I want to give Ohio State credit for doing all these, and they do deserve like like the idea that we're talking about this because they are willing to do it. And over the years, when Ohio State, I always had some fights with people about when Ohio State had a crappy schedule, like during the Trestle years, like oh, Ohio State's schedule is terrible. It's like its schedule was terrible because the Big Ten was terrible. Like they were doing what they could. They were dedicated to playing. 
a national power every year when a lot of schools weren't doing that. Now, back then, they'd play like USC and three Mac schools, which wasn't great, and they're getting away from that. The ninth Big Ten game, I think, is a great move, and that's helped because the ninth Big Ten game had really... The excuse they made about we canceled Tennessee because of the ninth Big Ten game is a is a faulty excuse. Yeah. Because they never were acting they never had the intention of the ninth Big Ten game replacing the national non conference game. The ninth Big Ten game replaced a Mac school. Well they'd have to if they and I don't know when all these things were scheduled, so this could be the timing of this could be off. But if they were to, to get add the ninth Big Ten game and then keep Tennessee, they would have had to screw over an Ohio school, right? Probably would have dropped Miami of Ohio or Cincinnati and all those other third. But I don't even know. Here. Well, I don't even know if those were necessarily scheduled then, because so those sometimes get scheduled later. Later, because they're easier. Yeah, because it's like because it's not a home and home. Yeah, and it's like oh, we need to have what Mac school wants to come and get a million dollars to lose by thirty. Well, maybe they just don't want to screw over Cincinnati. I don't, is that possible? I don't know when that was. I would have to look. I mean, again, I don't buy it. I yeah. mean, I just I, I just think it was because that, but because they immediately replaced it. Because they replaced it with the, the TCU. TCU. Yeah. Then, much more recently, they made the decision to turn TCU into a one neutral instead of a home and home. So I just, I mean, but if I think that to me is a reflection of like that's like a Dallas alumni base thing. We're going to play TCU, which is in Fort Worth. We're going to the Metroplex, and we're going to serve that alumni base rather than serve an alumni base in Tennessee. And again, I tell you. You know what? I think the alumni in Dallas would rather you play Tennessee. And I think the alumni in Seattle would rather watch you play Alabama on TV than go in person to oh, watch yeah, you play Oh, yeah, it's Florida Washington. Atlantic that year. They won't be coached by Lane Kiffin. Which also, again, I think it's a point. I, I just think you can't set the games up based on coaches. Because it's like if they scheduled UCLA by the time they play UCLA, it's not going to be Chip Kelly. Yeah, he'll be and like, in the NFL. So it, it, it's, it's, you've got to do it on the programs. And, and, and I think the main things you do are history of how good the program is and stadiums. And like historic stadiums and historic great college football campuses. Did so. we talk about their Big Ten schedule in 2019 at all? I don't think so. Is, that what, do they have like, is it a monster schedule? At Nebraska – like and the way the games are stacked are interesting. So they play Indiana and then the third week of September, and then there's one more non conference game after that. They play at Nebraska and then Michigan State at home back to back. Then they have a bye. Then they play at Northwestern and Wisconsin back to back. Then they have another bye. Then they play Maryland and at Rutgers, which is nothing. And then they close the season with Penn State and Michigan. So their three West games that year are Nebraska, Wisconsin, Northwestern. Yep. Which is I think why they did it. Yeah. Two, th- two of them on the road. I think that was a direct it's like if if our non-conference, if our West games are like Minnesota, Illinois, and Purdue, then we would have played. Then they would have played TCU. Yeah, but but especially with that stacking, I think is double bye. The rare double bye. Not oh yeah, really rare. It happens like every Space four years. Calendar. Right? Yeah. yeah. All right. So that was Buckeye talk. This is the this is a fake thing. That was Buckeye talk. Stay tuned later in the week for our Buckeye talk mailbag. Yeah. But for now, bump 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 bump. So that's what it would be like, except it's not because we're not going to just change. But here's the other problem: we have this really good JT Barrett Braxton Miller question that you teased. It's really good. And if I ask it right now, we're going to talk about it for forty minutes. I don't know what to do. <laughs> did I did I rant too much about schedules? No, I don't know. Maybe we got we got in the weeds a little bit. Uh, we did a like lot Mason of Dixon yeah, we went the, we went deep into geography stuff. How far Portland is from Eugene. We did a 15-minute Clemson podcast. <laughs> statues. We did 10 minutes yeah. on statues. 
So I don't know. Like, should we do the Braxton JT question, or should we? Here's what you do when you when you edit this podcast <laughs> together. Just cut out a random twenty minute chunk somewhere. People won't even notice. You can just start off when I start saying so anyway, and then just yeah. cut it, and then I'll end with. And that's what I think about that. And they can just. It doesn't matter what was in there. Um, I don't know. Like, so should we save it? Should we save? So I'm going to be – so you guys are doing – okay, so I'm going on vacation. Yeah. So this is this week's Buckeye Talk. I'm not going to be here for the next Buckeye Talk. Right? Yeah. So should we save this awesome Braxton JT question for the Buckeye Talk after that? I mean it's we all have so to be together. Good. We all have to be together to talk about it, yeah. yeah. Can we – Can we? should we give – can we say the person – So we, can we say the question and credit the person who asked it? Yes. So they aren't waiting to hear it. And then we can acknowledge that it's their fault that we didn't get to it because it's <laughs> so good. good. It's worthy of a whole podcast. Yes. The question uh, was from Nathan Cop at Cop Nathan, whose Twitter bio says that he's a former New York Yankees left-handed pitcher. What? Get him on the podcast. Former, yeah, the athletic director at Xenia Community Schools. What? Yeah. Wow. I'm going to look this guy up. All right. Go ahead. He says, will Braxton Miller or JT Barrett's legacy be better at Ohio State? And la- if you remember last week, Tim was making a point, and like in the middle of his point, I went, whoa, because like, we got that question like as Tim was talking. And then we had like a half-hour conversation after that podcast about this question. Um, it's really good and like complicated, and there's a lot of different things you can branch off of it. And if we started talking about it now, you'd be listening to a three-hour podcast. Nathan K.O.P.P. I'm reading a story about Nathan Kopp taking the Xenia AD job. This guy's legit. 28th round draft pick by the Yankees. Lefty. I like it. I respect it. Uh, We have so much respect for you, Nathan Kopp, both as a human, a listener, and a question asker. We're not doing it. (laughs) It's a whole podcast. It's the podcast, assuming like there isn't giant breaking news on Ohio State in the next two weeks, that's the podcast two weeks from now. Yeah. It's going to be a legacy podcast. A legacy, an Ohio State legacy podcast based around the idea of whose legacy would you rather have. And then we'll get into what a legacy is. Your legacy that is tied to only your college career. Your legacy that's tied to your success as a pro. I think there's a lot of stuff there. God, it's good. Okay, so let's just try to rattle through some other questions kind of quickly. Okay, the thing you said, by the way, about how we should split up the podcasts is definitely right. <laughs> so... <laughs> <laughs> okay, we'll do that at some point. Yeah, we'll, we'll start doing we'll that. Exper- we'll, we should experiment with that during the summer, I think. Yeah, okay. Uh, Brock Doctor I thought, asked kind of a timely question. He says, uh, who's the quarterback recruit for 2019 with Grant Gannell now likely out? Um, Can you lay down a baseline for yes. people? So, I frankly don't quite know where things stand with Grant Gannell at the moment, but... I think it's okay to sort of use a two four seven crystal ball, like how it changes as as a decent indicator, at least that things are changing, maybe not definite. But Ohio State uh, for the last month had been the leader there, and now Arizona is. Arizona is coached by Kevin Sumlin. Kevin Sumlin used to be the head coach at Texas A and M. Grant Cannell was committed to Texas A and M, committed to Kevin Sumlin. Uh, Kevin Sumlin got fired. Gannell stayed committed for a while, and then he decommitted in, I think it was February, the day that Ohio State offered him. He decommitted from Texas A&M. So that Arizona would now be a player in his 
recruitment is not surprising, given his relationship with Kevin Sumlin. It does seem like that if Ohio State was the favorite, or at least in a very good spot, um, they are back into a battle now with Arizona. I think Cal is also in the mix with him. And the deal with Gannell was he came to Ohio State, he had an official visit in April, uh, the weekend after the spring game. That visit went very well. Ohio State came out the leader. He has not taken an official visit anywhere since then. And the word was that he was always going to make a decision sometime, most likely to make a decision sometime in June once he finishes up with spring football, which is done once he finishes up with the Elite 11, which I think ends on June 3rd, I think is when the Elite 11 camp is over. Um, so he could be making a decision like in the next two or three weeks. And at the moment, it seems like Ohio State has at least lost some traction. I don't think they're completely out of it, as the question suggests. Um, but it does put them in an interesting position because he is the only uncommitted quarterback prospect that they have offered and I think would take tomorrow if he wanted to commit. All the other guys they're recruiting are committed. Um, we've talked about him before, but just as a refresher, Graham Mertz is committed to Wisconsin. Uh, Dewan Mathis is committed to Michigan State. Ryan Holinsky is committed to South Carolina. Um, is there anybody else? Who else is there that they were recruiting and committed somewhere else that, like, they maybe stopped recruiting because there's nowhere they're going to get him? Have they? Have, is there any? Uh, the they were recruiting a kid named Sam Howell. Uh, who is committed to Florida State, and I think they've shut. Like I have not heard anything about them trying to like okay. keep pursuing him. Um, Max Duggan, I think it's Duggan, might be Dugan, uh, was a kid that from Iowa, I think who they were who they were recruiting, and he committed to TCU, and I believe that is also dead. He was actually in Ohio for the for the opening regional okay. and competed there. I thought he looked pretty good, but he's committed to TCU. Um, so no, I think that the list is Gannell, Mertz. Mathis and Holinsky at the moment. Three of those four are committed, and it sounds like the one who's not committed at the moment is liking Arizona maybe a little more than he's liking Ohio State. I'm going to ask a question that maybe you guys can answer next week. Are you guys going to do a recruiting pod next week? Yeah, I think, I think we should. Yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. so to tease that, next week's Buckeye Talk is going to be all about recruiting with Tim and Bill. <clears throat> Why? What is the reason that they have been in on all these quarterbacks who then committed elsewhere? Is it just because... Ohio State would not have taken their commitments and the kids wanted to commit? Or did they actually get get beat by no. all these other schools? I think in some circumstances they got beat. Like in the case of Sam Howell, I think they got beat. Um, but I also think like in the first, whatever, not half, but at the beginning of this 2019 recruiting cycle, I think Grant Tisdale was their guy. He's a quarterback from Allen, Texas. Played in the state championship game in Texas last year against Matthew Baldwin's Lake Travis team. Um, and then I think they probably could have got him and just decided they didn't want him because Grant Tisdale does not check all of the boxes that they're now looking for in a quarterback. Um, he's more of a, he's a dual threat guy who is much more of a runner than he is a thrower. Like, this two, is a 30-part series about... Two years ago or even a year ago... Grant Tisdale, I think, would have been the quarterback commitment. And class. they claim that they are not changing their strategy on quarterback recruiting? Yeah, I think if you actually sat down with Ryan Day or Urban Meyer and like had a conversation about it, you'd get to that. It's just not something that they're going to say at a podium or even in a group setting because the questions have to be like very pointed because you only get you only get right. two or three stabs at it. In a conversation like this, I think you would get around to it. Because there's too much proof. Yeah. There's too much proof to say oh, we're just reacting to this particular class and there's a certain amount of guys. There's too much proof that they are actually changing what they want. Yeah. And God. It's, it's, like, not, yeah, it's like the saying in the movie Moneyball, adapt or die. 
No, and I think that that's I think there's there's too much proof the last few years that you have to be able to throw the ball to win a national championship, and including Ohio State in 2014. And we all like JT Barrett. I don't think any of us think he was a good enough passer to win a national championship. But they are not, and I think. What can we do with this? I, I feel like there's there's so a lot to do with it. It's just yeah. It's, it's, but the, they are not because there's one of two things that you would adapt to. One is you would adapt to the talent pool, and that that you, you look at the available quarterbacks and you say, what is available? Okay, we think we can get this, so we're going to have to do this with our offense as a result. And I think that is a small. I think at least a small percentage of this is the fact that most of the prospects in this class who are of the caliber to play at Ohio State trend more toward. Pro-style thrower, pocket pass, okay. or whatever you want to call it, than true dual-threat guy. But then the other part is you adapt to the changing world of your business. Yes. We're adapting our offense to the realities of college football, and therefore we're changing who we target. So if you're saying that both adaptations are taking place, I would. it sounds like, and you guys know much more about this than I do, so like my knowledge is based off what you say, but it seems to me like, it's about an 80% adaptation to the offensive realities of elite college football and a 20% adaptation to the available talent pool based on the fact that they only need one every yeah. year. And they could have taken the guy. They could have gotten him. Even if there aren't as many of them, as many if there aren't as many dual threat guys, there still was one staring them in the face, and he's not a Buckeye right now. Yeah, no, I'd agree. I think that's a good percentage. I might even venture to go like 85-15 or maybe even 90-10. Um, but I think, yeah, I think you have to leave it open that part of it is the available talent pool, but I think it's it, the vast majority of it is adapting to what college football is doing. And I did also, and frankly, what the NFL is doing. And also did a look to 2020. It's very similar as far as, like, talent spread. I think in 24-7's rankings, because they don't have composites yet, six of the top seven guys are pro-style guys as far as quarterbacks go. Yeah, yeah. And, the, and the guy who I think at the moment is most likely to end up in their class is Jack Miller from Scottsdale, Arizona, is... It was he's like a six foot three, six foot four pro style quarterback. And the thing with all these guys, and 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 we say it a lot, but I just think it bears repeating when we talk about it. Look, all these guys can can run. And like I talked to Grant Canell's quarterback coach, and he said like we don't ask him to run. He's six foot six, like two hundred and fifteen pounds, I think. They don't ask him to run, but he can run. It's just like their offenses and a lot of them. Dwayne Haskins can run, wasn't asked to do it a ton in high school. Doesn't mean they look as natural doing it as a guy like JT or Braxton Miller or probably what Grant Tisdale would have looked like if he played at Ohio State. But that that element of quarterback play still matters to them. I just don't think it matters as much as it mattered a year ago. And it's just that it's just that when you look at the two defining quarterbacks of Urban Meyer's life that he recruited and coached. They are elite college football runners first, mm -hmm. throwers second. Mm -hmm. And if he wanted the next Tim Tebow or the next JT Barrett, he could get him. Yep. Yeah. And it seems like that's not who he wants anymore. No, at the moment, no. But so the question was, who's the quarterback recruit for 2019? Like, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I think I think they have a halfway decent shot of. Flipping Ryan Holinsky from South Carolina, and I'm I want to forget where I read. I think I read this on two four seven Sports, and other people have talked to him too. That Holinsky is in a place right now that like he wants to go to South Carolina and basically ask them if it's okay if he can visit Ohio State. And 
I'd imagine South Carolina is going to say, like, please don't do that. But in the end, it's his decision to do so. Um, if he visits, uh, I think that might happen. I think he, I think he might be able to flip him. Um, Graham Mertz, I don't know. I, I mentioned before, like, Notre Dame really wants him too, and I think there's a belief that if anyone's going to flip him from Wisconsin, Notre Dame has a better chance at the moment than Ohio State does. Um, Dewan Mathis, I think they could flip too, but I think they, he's probably third among the three committed guys that they're interested in. Um, who's committed, he's committed to Michigan State. Um, and then it's Gunnell. And then I wrote a story last week about a kid named Connor Basilak from Kettering Alter um, down near Dayton who has been recruited by Ohio State a little bit, does not have an offer. Ryan Day went to watch him throw last week, and I think there was an anticipation that Day would come and watch him throw and then offer him, and then it didn't happen. And Connor He is, didn't watch or didn't offer? He watched him. He did not offer. Okay. Um, the, what Connor told me is that Ryan Day told him, like, we think you're good. We think you're good enough to play at Ohio State. We're waiting on some other guys. While we're waiting for some other guys, don't wait around for us. So he's ready to, like, trim his list down. His best offer is Georgia. Um, he's got an offer from Iowa. He's got a couple, he's got like 30 something offers. Um, I, and whatever, it's just my opinion from watching a quarterback class that Ohio state has admitted is not great. I think Connor Basilak is like not quite as good as some of the other guys are recruiting, but close, close to it, close to the point that I think they should have offered him. Um, cause he's ready to trim his list down and he said he's going to trim it down to teams that have offered him. And I know that Ohio State in Ohio typically gets the guy at once in the state, no matter when they offer him. Um, I do think they're setting themselves up, and it's a small percentage, but they're setting themselves up for a situation in which all the guys they're chasing, they don't get, and there's a decent quarterback in Ohio, and they're going to play, slow play it, and it's possible it's too late. And then I don't know what they do. And I do think that there are there are certain situations where a certain kind of kid in a certain kind of situation, you said Iowa is one of his offers. Mm-hmm. I think that's like a thing where it's like, Say he trims and say he commits to Iowa. And I think Iowa is the kind of program like when they get their mitts on you, it's like they're not going to, in a, in a vacuum, they're not going to beat Ohio State head to head for an Ohio kid. But once they get their mitts on you and you're committed and they hawkeye you up, and then it's like, you know what? They wanted me when you guys didn't want me. Yeah. So no. And, and, and I almost like, like, almost like Nigel Hayes in basketball. Yeah. That like, that Wisconsin grabbed him, and when Ohio State came late, it was like, you're too late. Like, maybe, like, in a vacuum, if it was equal, I would have picked you. But you didn't want me, so now I'm going to go to this other place. Yeah, and I, I think, like, I'm fully prepared to eat these words in in five months if Connor Basilak commits to Iowa in July and then flips to Ohio State in October because Ohio State finally offers him. I'm not going to pretend like that's impossible. It happens a lot with Ohio kids. I just don't know why, if you're Ohio State, you'd even put yourself in that position. Like, why voluntarily put yourself behind them when you don't have – like, it's not like – he didn't strike me as the kind of kid that if Ohio State offered him tomorrow, he'd want to commit that day. I just – I think he's a little more pragmatic than that. There are kids in the state I think that would do that. I just don't think that's him. Um, so I don't know why you'd wait. I don't know why you'd rather – or why, why you'd want to allocate all your resources to recruiting committed players – and a kid in Grand Canal who it seems like is slipping out of your grasp a little bit. Meanwhile, you'll have a quarterback in your own state who's 90 minutes away who is, again, not quite as good as the other kids, but I think close to it in a class that's not great overall, why you would slow play that. Just like I think you off, like almost offer him to stay in the game. Yep. And I don't know why they're not doing it. I think, I think sometimes, particularly within state kids, Ohio State overthinks things. And it usually doesn't come back to bite them in the butt. And like I, I couldn't even give you five examples of the times it has. 
but I don't understand, particularly with quarterback, why you would put yourself in that position. And we could talk about it more next week, but I think that's where I think the thought process have to, has to change with the early signing period. That they, yeah, like you, you lose uh, what, almost two months, right? Yeah, of recruiting. Do you what would have otherwise? If you think of, if you think about it, if the early signing period happened back then, they don't have guys like BB Landers on the team. Mm-hmm. And he said that. No. Yeah. No, that's a good point. Um, so anyway, I just. 2019 quarterback recruiting, I think, is a little more uncertain than it was a week ago because it looks like Grant Cannell is not trending as hard to Ohio State as people thought he might have been. And if he visits, he's already visit, officially visited Arizona. He officially visited Arizona before he visited Ohio State. Um, but if he like officially visits Cal or something like that, like that would be a red flag to me that, that maybe the quarterback is going to be somebody other than Grant Cannell okay. in this class. The Urban Renewal asks, will C.J. Saunders play this year? He's on scholarship now. Like I'm, You said like you're ready to eat your words or whatever on the last thing. It's yeah. like, I'm ready to eat my words on, on it, but no. Like, I'm just not. They have 10 scholarship receivers of guys they recruited who they're trying to figure out who to play. And he's just – I know that everybody – Wants him to be Hunter Renfro or whatever. Like that, that people people love to talk about the walk-ons that made it, that became like stars of teams, and those are great stories, but they're rare. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so, you know, he he has he's made some plays when they've had big leads, and that's great. But uh, you know, we, uh, we're trying to figure out how Jalen Harris is going to play. Like I just I don't I yeah, don't get it. I, I don't I don't see it either. And again, it's, it's not like I don't think he's a bad football player. Like whatever. I, we're but, trying to get Demario McCall on the field. Yeah, there's just guys in front of him. <laughs> uh, Lucas Picklesimer, I think that's how you say it. <laughs> says <He's> Picklesimer. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> he says, in November, will there be any question that Okuda and Sh- Jeffrey Okuda and Sean Wade are the two best corners on the roster? Yeah, I, th- I think Kendall Sheffield could, yeah. could make that a question for sure. Like I get, like Kendall Sheffield did not have a great first half of the year. I thought he got better by the end of the year, but I think it's easy to forget that he was also a five-star prospect. I yeah. won't be totally surprised if it's Wade and Okuda. I mean, I think we think it's going to be Okuda. Um, I think it's possible the top three corners are Sheffield, Okuda, and Wade by November if they're rotating three and Damon Arnett like falls into like a situational nickel kind of thing and just falls behind Sean Wade. I think that's out there. Yeah, I'm kind of with you there. I I agree with you. Sheffield seems like he's been on that upward track. I'm interested to, interested to see what Okuda is going to do. Um, you know, it being counted on more often because I think the Cotton Bowl is going to was good for him with Denzel Ward sitting out the game to go pro to get him to really get a chance mm-hmm. for him to get his feet wet and <laughs> and what better test than go up against Sam Darnold? Our, this is our Nets last year, right? No, he's a fourth year junior. Yep. Because I know I was looking because it's uh. That Carlton Davis guy, who I think was a second-round pick in the draft out of Auburn, was an Ohio State commit, decommitted, and they got Arnett late in that class. Um, I'm, and I'm just making the point of, like, I think Damon Arnett's good, but I, but I don't know if Damon Arnett's ever going to get to, like, great. And I think, like, if other guys just get great, then maybe he would play less. But also, yeah. uh, Sean Wade's only a redshirt freshman who basically had last year's season sort of taken away from him by injury. And so, you know, uh, there are not a ton of guys who just come in and their first year getting on the field demand a ton of playing time. So I think it also, I think it's good to be excited about Sean Wade, but I think there's a lot of things in play where um, 
Sheffield could stick around too, but I think maybe Sheffield might be like a good year and gone, and then like mm-hmm. then the next year it's Arnett, Okuda, and Wade, and then like I think Sean Wade's time is coming, but um, I know he was a really highly recruited guy. I just I, I don't want to get too far down the line of like Sean Wade's going to start t- stealing people's jobs. He might, yeah, but he, it's his first year, and if he doesn't, he still is on track, um, and. I think it's hard. The one thing is, it'll be interesting to see how Tabor Johnson handles it. You know, I think it's it's hard to like steal jobs in the middle of the year. Yeah. You know, so yeah. it's like if the, if Okuda, Arnett, and Sheffield are the guys against Oregon State, and like they will be, barring injury, it's hard to imagine like what would happen other than injury. That's like Sean Wade just like takes someone's job in the rotation. Yeah, that's true. That's good. So. Uh. Jordan Narker asks if Okuda will be a start of the season. Yeah, he'll be in the rotation for sure. And, and once you're in the rotation, they can change how the rotation works. Mm-hmm. Like maybe Okuda, Okuda starts third. Maybe he won't be third. Yeah, I think we've talked about that before. But I think, I think that yeah. I think that makes sense. Yeah. Um, Jordan Steele asks, what are the realistic expectations for Dante Booker this season? Uh, he says, uh, starting a linebacker, playing a special teams, or transferring. Um, I don't think he'll transfer. He graduated, and I think if he was going to transfer, there was a report about him transferring that then got denied by Ohio State. I, and then, again, this could ha- just could change tomorrow. But I think if he were going to transfer, we maybe know that by now. He's graduated already. The one thing is, he's kind of late. Hurt. He was out with a shoulder injury this spring, along with a lot of other guys. Um, and I don't know anything. I just think sometimes it's like maybe you just want to get healthy first and then see what happens. Yeah. But um, my suggestion on, on Dante Booker expectations would be have none. Yeah. And then you know, see what happens. It's, yeah, it's totally up in the air, I think, still. Yeah. It's not, it's not like past any sort of deadline for him to transfer if he decides he wants right. to do that. So that's still out there. It um, just, it, it's dang, I think it's a dangerous spot where like, it feels like they have a lot of things happening. And it just feels like a little bit like maybe they've moved on, which just is what happens. Yeah, and I'm a huge Dante Booker fan as a player and as a person, and I think he's gotten just some incredibly bad luck here. Um, but I have, a, I just don't exactly know how he fights. Again, like we're trying to figure out how they're going to get Baron Browning on the field. So I just, I, I, I think it's a tough spot for him, and I think, I think there are a variety of things that could happen. Uh, Jeremy Ruth said, "Do you think Urban Meyer will be as loyal to Dwayne Haskins as he was to JT, or do you think he will be quick to pull Dwayne for Tate?" If Dwayne starts messing up, I don't think he should be quick to pull. I think you got to be willing to. No, no, not should he be? Will he be? No. Wait, will he be? Will he be as loyal to to Dwayne, Dwayne as he was, as he to, was JT. to JT Barrett? So he will be or will not be as loyal. What do you say, Tim? I think he will be. Okay. Yeah, I think he has to be because I think again, like there's more to it than just naming the starting quarterback. You are setting the offense on a new sort of path here and, and changing the way you play offensive football. And frankly, I just don't think Tate Martell is ready for that yet. So you have to be willing to ride with Dwayne Haskins and ride with the style of offense. I think loyal is the wrong word because I think he's not going to yank him, but I don't think it's because of loyalty. I think if Joe Burrow was here, his loyalty oh, yeah, might be yeah, very yeah. tested. It's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I just don't think Urban Meyer thinks Tate Martell's ready to play right now. Yeah. So it's like it's not like he has another option. So... Like, and I think I think loyalty did come into play with JT Barrett, right? That, mm-hmm. but also Dwayne Haskins was very unproven. Um, but 
We saw what he did in 2015 when he had a second option that he knew was good. And I think if Joe Burrow was here, he knew he would have a second option that he knows is good. And then loyalty does matter. But I think at the moment, it's just like Dwayne Haskins is the starting quarterback. And like, I cannot, I think we all think Tate Martell has a chance to be a very good college quarterback, probably at Ohio State. Yeah. I cannot imagine a world where Dwayne Haskins is benched while healthy for Tate Martell. No, I don't see that either. Uh, last week, I made an offhand comment about how Maslin uh, claims a bunch of national championships and state championships and has never won one on the field. And someone sent in a tweet that says, To the guy that sounds like Seth Rogen, <laughs> Maslin has 24 state titles, 9 national titles, and 871 wins. When Ohio State and Notre Dame give back their AP titles, so will the Tigers. That's how it was done then. No need to hate Tiger Town. Wow! Yeah, I love when you get called out. I don't hate Tiger Town. Uh, I just think it's funny that they've never actually won a, won a champion. Like, won a champion. When did they begin... Having like an actual high school playoff where you I don't know sometime in the eighties I think interesting yeah so anyway I wasn't hating on Tiger Town I was just like using it as a point of reference um, sorry to offend uh, M D Robney from Dover Ohio call him out love it <laughs> do I really sound like Seth Rogen I have a complex about that I don't think so I know there are times where I can laugh and I can laugh like Seth Rogen but I don't think my voice sounds like his. No, I actually was just watching randomly observe and report last night. Yeah. Dark. It is dark. It's like, it's like uh, yeah, it's Paul Blart Mall Cop, but much darker. With Travis Bickle as yeah. the Mall Cop. Uh, no, I don't think so. I, I don't, I don't, no, I, I don't think you do. Okay, good. You do have a complex about it, though? Yeah, because it's not the first time I've been told that. Really? No, <laughs> I've been told it quite a few times. Yeah. To be fair... He's pretty rich and famous. That's true. I mean, I would love to have his life. He's yeah. also Canadian, though. I wouldn't mind being Canadian. They have poutine. And chimney stacks. And chimney stacks. I, I thought you said chimney sex. <laughs> no. Well, I mean, they might do that. <laughs> God, these questions are too good, and we're running out of time. Uh, Scott Duda said, what is the theme for this year's team? He hasn't heard anything about it. Like, they've had the, the grind, and what was the other one? The edge? Yeah. Uh, I think it's like BF5 this year. I think it's just they want everyone to play like Braxton Miller. I think that's eh. what they want to do. I don't I think know. It requires that everyone wear the jersey number five. Yeah, it's. I don't know what it means. Um, and no offense, I don't care. Oh, for real? What the theme for the season is? People care though. No, I understand why. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. It's whatever. We're we're going to totally see shirts in September that from fans that say, "Are you a five? With the Ohio State logo on it. I mean, they do that sometimes where they sort of like have it be like a secondary theme and then it works up to being the main theme. Because we've heard the BF5 before. It's they, not new. But. They had a video on their Twitter account the other day that was talking to – it was like a recap of a 2012 season. Yeah. Um, and then it was like a seven-minute long video. It was really well done. But then at the end it was like – they put like usually they put their logo at the end of the video and at yeah. the end of this video it was like BF5. Oh, it's BF5 then. Yeah. Because they've done – I mean, the wolf thing. When was the wolf thing? Was that two years ago? Two years ago, it was oh the end of the world. But the then, it, like, it kind of died. It, like, it was a thing in in regular or in the preseason, and it kind of died. What was what was last year's Brotherhood? It, yeah, it, I think it started with Wolves, and then it went to the Brotherhood. But can I say one thing about be a five? If Ohio State's a five, they're not getting in the playoff. It should be be a four. Yeah, be so at you, least be at least a four. Be a, at the minimum a four, so you get to go to Dallas or Miami. They were a five last year, yeah. just before Christmas. 
That's true. That'd be funny. Somebody should write that and make it high side angry. Yeah. <laughs> um, I might have made somebody angry by saying that. That's all right. At Tim Bielek. <laughs> Connor Bailey asked a really good question that... Uh, Does it, that deserves its own podcast? It involved... We do it in August? He said, which, if any, of JT's single game slash season records is Dwayne Haskin most likely to surpass? And he listed all of them and like wants us to say whether or not we think he can do it. Uh, we can make that part of the Braxton JT podcast. Okay. Maybe. Let's make it a grand quarterback legacy podcast. Okay. That we'll is get, good. Because we'll so much of JT's legacy is tied up in his records. Right. If people start breaking uh, his records, that would affect his legacy. Here's something that you can respond to, Doug. Uh, Greyhound Express said, uh, Doug suggested a three-star, five-star alternating, alternating ideally for the quarterback room, implying a five-star won't stay if not starting and a three-star will. Ohio State just showed that isn't always the case. Burrow was a three-star and then transferred. If the kid is good, they'll start or transfer. Do you have a rebuttal for that? No, I think that's, I mean, I think that's a good point. Um, I think, but like Joe Burrow, uh, I still think Joe Burrow is, is, is like an ideal situation because he transferred – he didn't transfer right until the point where it's like he's good enough to be a starting quarterback. So he's a three-star who I think might have been like a four-star almost by he the end. He was a four. Yeah. was a four. Yeah. And, and really, whereas like with Tate, and maybe it's just talk, but I think there's a little something to it. It's like Tate Martell – has only been here a year, and already people were sort of like, oh, is he going to stay? And, like, Joe Burrow stayed to fight for the job um, and then left. And so um, – and I think they're – like, Joe Burrow, like, was too good. But Joe Burrow was too good by sort of proving it. And I think five stars sometimes are too good by thinking it mm -hmm. because they haven't had the chance to prove it. And I think that's what you want to avoid. It's not that you need to avoid – quarterbacks like Joe Burrow transferring, I think it's that you need to avoid guys who have never had the chance to show anything, really shouldn't have had the chance yet, and they transfer. Like the Clemson guy. Yeah, kids that transfer after their first year. Right. Yeah, if, he, if Joe Burrow transferred after three years and graduating, like it's... Right. I think if you have kids like... like I think on some level, quarterback transfer is unavoidable. But if you're going to have it, you'd obviously rather have it be that than a kid who leaves after nine months on campus. And if Joe Burrow, Joe Burrow, like, got too good. Yeah. Like, there's another, if, if, if there's, like, a different, an alternative, alternate reality where Joe Burrow, like, just didn't quite develop as much and, like, he didn't really, he didn't fight Dwayne Haskins for the job because it's, like, obviously Dwayne Haskins is the job. And Joe Burrow was, like, here and solid. Nobody thought he should start. And then he would have been like, yeah, I'm happy to be here. I'm happy to be a Buckeye. Like, I think I could play if they need me, but I'm not, like, looking for the first train out of town because I think I need to start somewhere. Right. Like, that's a, that could happen, too. Um, but I think with five stars, that's just less likely to happen. So I understand the person's point about Burrow, but I'm not worried about a Burrow transfer. I'm more worried about uh Hunter Thompson transfer. Hunter Johnson. Hunter Thompson Lawrence. Hunter S. Johnson. Thompson uh like acid. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> we have time for two more questions. Sure. You guys like pineapple on pizza? Dwayne Haskins and somebody else like two weeks ago were having a debate about pineapples on pizza and I said like this is happening. I can't wait to talk about it on the podcast and then we never talked about it. And then Alan Kitchen last week said two hours and fourteen minutes of nothing but no pineapple talk. <laughs> pineapple pizza talk. <laughs> two hours and four. He called that podcast two hours and fourteen minutes of nothing. He did. Yeah. Wow. 
Yeah. I think he's out he was. Anti- I'm sure he was anticipating pineapple pizza talk, and we didn't get there. He's like, was it his was his pineapple pizza question. No, no, I just said we were going to talk about because I was excited about it. Before and people had preconceived notions about what I would think about pineapples on pizza, and then he was mad that like I promised we would talk about. It. We do it every week. We promise we're going to talk about something and never do it. But he was particularly mad about the pineapple. Is that a good podcast strategy or a bad podcast strategy? <laughs> Probably bad. <laughs> All right. So are we doing are we doing pineapples on pizza right now? Yeah, I think it can be short. Like, do you like it or not? <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, yeah, I do. And okay. that day, actually, they were having that. I had had a bacon and pineapple pizza. Okay, so let me ask two questions about that. Mm-hmm. Are we having a pineapple on pizza discussion or a meat and pineapple pizza discussion? Because are there people who only put pineapple? Or is it assumed that if you are having pineapple, there's like a ham and, ham yeah, and pineapple ham, is like a Hawaiian pizza thing. Yeah. Yes. And you just said bacon and pineapple, so I get it. Same thing, yeah. I understand the meat, a, a pig meat paired with pineapple is creating a savory sweet thing on top of the pizza. Mm. Do some people just go straight pineapple? Oh, I don't think so. I think it's understood. It's like not- you're just getting a Hawaiian pizza and it's pineapple and ham. Okay. Yeah. So we're not really, so it's really that, because that, that would be a separate discussion. Do you just like to have sauce and cheese and crust and pineapple? Like, do people do that? I don't know. I don't think that would be that bad, but I, I don't think I'd do that because it is the savory sweet combination. So, but describe the flavor sensation of pineapple on pizza that you enjoy. Just what you said. Like, I, I like I like the bite. I like the salty of the bacon or the ham, or whatever you have, and then the sweetness of the pineapple. I think they go very well together. Um, I also like like I've had like shrimp and pineapple. Like, I like I just like the combination of pineapple and meat. But it's not a straight up separate thing you would put on a pizza. I would try it, and I probably wouldn't care because I really like pineapple. But like, I don't, I don't crave just pineapples on pizza. But I think, based on the previous conversations we've had about pizza, someone said like, "I know you're a pizza purist. You wouldn't like pineapple on pizza." Um, that person is wrong. I do like pineapple. Interesting. On pizza. So you, is there anything else sweet that people put on pizza? I'm trying to think. Like, or is it just pine- there's not like another people don't put like oranges on. Pizza no, I've never seen. No, put, uh, no. Uh, Big juicy grape on it. <laughs> I don't think so. Like, I don't think so. I wonder why that's. Did it start just because in Hawaii there's just like pineapples lying? There's in the an road. abundance of spam and pineapples, and they're like, yeah, and they just put on pizza. pizza for real. Yeah, but then why should that translate to the mainland, where a there's not an abundance of pineapple, but b there is an abundance of all kinds of other stuff? Because Hawaii is a lovely place, but there's again there's pineapples. You trip over pineapples. But there's a lot of other things. If it's not grown on the island, it's more expensive to get it there. So every a lot of other things there are more expensive. So it's like, well, there's pineapple. We may as well put the pineapple on the pizza because, <laughs> like, to get like pepperoni is more difficult. So I would contend that pineapple on pizza grew out of people adapting to their environment and taking what is fresh and local and cheap and putting it on pizza, and now. Here on the mainland, maybe people are trying too hard. There's not pineapple. You're not going to trip out of over a pineapple going back to your house in Columbus today. You've got to go out of your way to yeah. put pineapple on a pizza. But you will trip on a pepperoni. But just because it was born out of a necessity that doesn't apply to the majority of the country doesn't mean it tastes bad. No, I know. But then, but 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 why don't we put oranges on pizza? Because it tastes bad. But are we sure? What is the difference? 
what is the flavor profile that makes a pineapple taste good on a pizza and an orange taste bad on a pizza other than it's done and it's not done? Is there something specifically in the flavor profile of a pineapple? Yeah, I think so. I think the pineapple is like all sweet and like with an orange or other citrus fruits, you can get a little soury, tangy that I think maybe would not go well with that. All right. How about an apple? Uh, an apple's kind of tangy too. But people put apples no, on salads. People have know. apples on salads, yeah. What uh, other fruit could you put on pizza? How about watermelon? No. What if someone said watermelon? I put watermelon on too pizza. Too soggy. I think it's too soggy. Isn't a pineapple kind of soggy? No, not when it, especially not when it's cooked. Well, have you cooked a watermelon? <laughs> no. I Would have. you put watermelon? But, I mean, there is a, like, again, it's like, sometimes I like to try to clear my brain and try to erase any prior knowledge I have, which for me is pretty easy to do. <laughs> and then just think like of someone saying, hey, do you want to put pineapple on pizza? And hey, do you want to put watermelon on pizza? And seeing if there's something inherent to that idea that would make you say in a vacuum in a world where it's never been done, where you'd be like, oh, God, I'm not putting watermelon on, but I'll put pineapple on. Or those are two sweet fruits or is there something texturally about a pineapple that it does it? Looks a little. I'm not going to say that a pineapple is not like a stronger piece of fruit. Yeah. Uh, the bite you bite into it a little bit harder. It's not a watermelon kind of falls apart. Yeah. You'd you be can like, eat oh. watermelon without teeth. Right. Mm-hmm. You can't just suck on a pineapple. Yeah. <laughs> Why don't you go suck on a pineapple? <laughs> I don't know. Like I, I would, I would argue that there's less, there's not as much inherent to a pineapple. The only inherent thing that makes it normal to put pineapple on a pizza is that they're falling off of trees in Hawaii and pepperoni they have to take on a ship. I think it's good. Uh, my last question was if we had any farts. Oh yeah, oh. We, we do. We actually had two, <laughs> two farts. Good week. <laughs> and one is actually a food question, which I know we haven't done. Much of the last couple weeks. Is a food we, question in the review? Yeah. yeah, we, so, yeah. so we'll start with this from Bryce Bumgarner. He asks, what do Mike D'Andrea, Justin Zwick, and Buckeye Talk all have in common? They are all rated five stars. Unlike Zwick and D'Andrea, Buckeye Talk doesn't disappoint. Wow. Nice. That, the phrasing of that question made me really nervous <laughs> for where he was going on the comparison. <laughs> Okay. Although what I will say about DeAndre, I think he was injuries more cost him than anything. Oh yeah. Wick was beat just beat out plain and simple by Troy Smith. Oh, Mike DeAndre was a was a beast who was Yeah, uh, wasn't he like number one in the country in his class back in like two thousand one or something yeah. like that? I mean I think I think because he was like in like the AJ Hawk recruiting class, I think, and it was like Mike DeAndre was at the top of that and AJ Hawk was near the bottom of that class and then like sort of AJ Hawk um became him and Mike DeAndrea just had injuries and some guys are injured. Yeah. It's unfortunate. And the other one from ya boy E Dog, spelled D A W G. Nice. What up, E Dog? The title's long, but it's like five star review for five star podcast. He's like, y'all make a great podcast that is very entertaining and informative. The food chalk is hilarious, and the coverage is exceptional. Also, what are your guys' takes on food that you would find at a state fair and such? I'd be interested to know what you think. Oh, where are you guys on the like frying everything? Uh, so I, I didn't have a corn dog for the first time until I went to the Ohio State Fair like two years ago. Um, I think I had like a fried Buckeye there. Yep. That was good. Um, I get it and I'm not saying it's not good. It terrifies me. Like frying an Oreo just seems unnecessary. And frying a Buckeye seems unnecessary. And frying a hot dog, though delicious, seems unnecessary. So I like them. 
I think maybe our country would be better off without that stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> when I when I talked chimney stacks last week, that seems like food fair quality kind of stuff, like stuff you would find. Again, that wasn't a food truck. You can go back last week and hear what I had to say about it. But that kind of thing, like kind of like you said, Bill, it's in, there's interest in it from my end. I don't know if I would go on my way to eat it necessarily. I mean, because essentially it's just fried everything. But I will tell you what, if you if you batter something and then make it really hot, it makes almost everything better. Yeah. Yeah. So I do – that I, I understand. I respect the idea. I think there are things in life. And I think that's why there's it's fair food because people then talk themselves in the idea of like, well, you can only do this at the fair. And the fair is only like one month out of the year in the summer when in reality – you can dip a Twinkie in batter and deep fat fry it 365 days a year. But not there's every, nothing stopping you. But not every, yep. everybody has access to a deep fryer. But you could have access to a deep fryer by buying a deep fryer. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. True. So if you said to yourself, I'm going to invest in a deep fryer, I'm going to buy a box of Twinkies, and every day I'm going to make myself a deep fried Twinkie. Or maybe Monday is deep fried Twinkie, Tuesday is deep fried Buckeye, Wednesday is deep fried Oreo, Thursday is a deep fried Snickers. Like you take, you could do that, but you would be dead. Yep. So the idea, I think it is a brilliant idea that people allow themselves because that is fair food, is Mm -hmm. it not? Yeah. But the only thing that makes it fair food is everyone agreeing. It's a societal contract to agree that if we pretended – this wasn't everyday food. If someone started a McDonald's ch- franchise type chain thing, and it was like, oh, did you hear this new fast casual restaurant? What is it? The new fast casual refer- restaurant is everything you already love, deep fat fried. Yeah. You know how you can get like a really good burrito at Chipotle? Here, we take your Chipotle burrito and deep fat fry it. <laughs> oh, you guys like uh, chain Cane's chicken fingers? We're going to take the breaded fried chicken finger, wrap it in dough or whatever, and then deep fat fry that better. And then wrap that in bacon. If you covered that with like some maple syrup, it'd be like chicken and waffles, and I would eat that right now. Yeah, and you would be dead. <laughs> so the only thing that we're not stopping ourselves from doing that because it wouldn't work and because it wouldn't be delicious. It is a societal agreement to not kill ourselves. As far as we've gone... With everything else that we eat that's terrible in America, we have agreed that fair food is fair food. And we are not down the path of, of deep fat frying everything in batter, in sweet, sweet batter. <laughs> everything. Put broccoli in there. The particular little grilled chicken on your salad. Oh, look, I got a Caesar salad with grilled chicken. A little Caesar dressing, some Parmesan cheese, some romaine, some grilled. Wrap it in dough, deep fat fry it. <laughs> it would be better. But we have agreed to make it like fair. We have tricked ourselves. Oh, it's fair food. I can only have it at the fair. And it's what's keeping America alive. So let's not tooth. We already thought too hard about that. So we're into it. But I appreciate the fact that we've all agreed to eat it one month out of the year. Yeah. Observe from an arm's arm's reach. Yeah. It is. I I was uh, kind of oblivious to fair food until... I moved to like uh, places that were in Philadelphia. Yeah, because <laughs> like it's not like we had carnivals and stuff, but it still wasn't. We weren't going for the 
corn dog, the once a year corn dog. Right. And it's only, I guess they have some of that stuff at the Jersey Shore, but I've, it never even crossed my mind to get to buy it. Like you can buy deep fried Oreos and stuff on the boardwalk. Yeah. But I never, I never did it. Yeah. And, but now I know the wonders. <laughs> All right. So we're going to think about breaking up the podcast because you made a suggestion and then this podcast better than any other podcast illustrated why we should do it. Yeah. <laughs> because sometimes we talk about statues for 20 minutes by accident. <laughs> um, so our, how many lingering questions? So we had the Braxton. JT lingering question, which we've acknowledged, and we have yeah. the the Yankees pitcher question. Yeah, there were a few more. There were a few more that I just like to give them proper due, like we couldn't have asked because we they're we, too good. We need more time. Can we say them. their names? Can we say their names at all? We don't want. We, we appreciate your questions. If you're waiting to hear your question asked, and you've waded through all this ridiculous garbage of this podcast to hear your name, can we just say? Can we scroll through? Shout outs to these people for these great questions, and we're going to get to them. Yeah, uh, Michael Neos one about like Urban's uh, longevity at Ohio State and like successors, successors, great questions, successors and stuff like that. Um, actually, Jack Hewitt asks, uh, "Brats or hot dogs?" Neither hot dogs, brats. Um, <laughs> Christian Zilstra asked the question about whether or not Urban's time here or his time at Florida should be deemed more successful, which I thought was really interesting. God, that's we can a get to that. Question. Uh, Connor Bailey had a recruiting question that Tim and I will tackle next week. Uh, we had Nathan Cops, JT, Braxton question. Uh, Chris at C underscore Keck had a question about the receivers um, that I think is interesting and sort of ties into something I wrote last week that I think we could talk about. Um, Greyhound Express, who came back at you, Doug, with your quarterback point, had another question about why Michigan has been able to remain competitive with Ohio State the last two years despite an inferior talent pool. Interesting. Um, Jason R is asked, uh, who were the players or player who are, was the player or players that when they were at Ohio State you thought were no doubt going to be great NFL players, but for whatever reason didn't work out? Great question. Um, Let's see. Dave Fitzgerald had a question. Uh, if the Big Ten ever went to 10 conference games, would it be a competitive advantage or disadvantage for things like college football playoff relative to the SEC? Great question. Um, and then Connor Bailey's comparative between uh, JT and Dwayne Haskins. Um, Kelvin Corbin asked about like why we don't think they play the SEC, and then we kind of got into that a little bit. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think we – so that was a good question, but we yeah. covered that pretty hardcore. So that was – those are the, the handful that I didn't get to here because we talk, We can talk for another hour about that stuff. Mm-hmm. God. Our, we'll get to, we'll our, talk about them. Our listeners are so smart. Yeah. God, they're smart. And I'm not just saying that because they're listening. Um, all right. Is this might be the longest one ever, which, again, goes to Landis's point. It we're, is. We're almost is at two and a half hours. Ever. I don't know what to do. Was that entertaining? I don't know. Did it drag? Let us know. Geography, <laughs> statue talk, and Dabo Sweeney's future and career path. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. But we are who we are. That's yeah. why we might, might finally get a sponsor. Who knows? Yeah. Okay. Bill Landis, Tim Bielik, Doug Maurice. Read us at cleveland.com slash OSU. I'm going to theme parks. So next week, Bill and Tim. We'll have a recruiting podcast to get you through, and then we will come back with more of your questions. And actually, tweet at Buckeye Talk Pod, as Bill mentioned. Tweet at Buckeye Talk Pod. Maybe we'll even put up a poll from the Buckeye Talk Pod account. Should we split up the podcast and yeah. see what people think? But we've also got to talk to our bosses just for like the logistics of it. 
I love that we have a Wednesday spot that you know is it's coming. So at least one of the days would stay on Wednesday, and then it's like ideally where would the other day go? Part of it, the, I think, the thing that's part of it that's hard to me is like it really is two podcasts because we have like the stuff we talk about segment and then the question segment. Yeah. And so if we're splitting it up just to make you wait two days to hear the questions, especially in the season. When it's like you're getting ready for the game Saturday, and what if there's a bunch of questions? Like, could we split it up into two podcasts and still post them both the same day? Would that make sense at all? Uh, yeah, I think so. Like, it's it's all stuff I think we can experiment with to see how it works. Like, would would you to the fans out there, you know, tweet at us? Would you like them on the same day, or would you like it split up? Or go like Wednesday Thursday at the very least. Like, I don't want to. I like Wednesday Thursday because I think. I think doing questions... Well, we record them both on Wednesday anyway, I guess. Or Tuesday. Yeah, I guess that's the hard part. Because I was going to say, like, we could have whatever Urban says on Monday or, like, the things we write the first half of the week, like, sort of inform the questions, but we're still recording it early anyway. Because, like, we're recording it... Because what we're not going to do is record it on two different days. We're still going to record it at the same time. We're just going to edit it differently. So if we do that, does it make sense to delay something just to break it up? Because I don't know that we could get it up any earlier. You know? Right. Like, we couldn't promise, like, oh, we'll get one up Tuesday and one up Wednesday. I don't know. It's very conflicting. So just tell us what you think. Split it up or not split it up? And then if we do split it up, it would be the logistics of how we should split it up best. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's figure out if the people want it first, and then after the fact, we can figure out logistics. Or we could do three podcasts a week. One is what we talk about. Two is a mailbag. Three is a podcast talking about the podcast. What if we do one every day? And the logistics of the podcast. And we just stop writing? Yeah. We just get together, belch our thoughts <laughs> into an iPhone, and that's our job? That would be hosting a radio show. Yes, it would. <laughs> Shoot. <laughs> Maybe we should just be radio hosts. <laughs> but then we'd have to be too professional, which would kill what we do. We're stuck. You know what we should do? Just give up. All right, this is the last one. It's too, <laughs> it's too hard to figure out, so we're bailing. Um, no, we're not. Tim and Bill will be back next week. I'll see you guys in two weeks. Thanks so much for your questions. Thanks so much for your reviews. Thanks for reading our stories. And thanks for being our loyal, loyal Buckeye Talk listeners. We love you. For Bill Landis and Tim Bielek, I'm Doug Lee Maurice. And that was Buckeye Talk. 